Hello, and before you get started on this episode of Zap to the Past, we would just like to say thank you to the following people. Andy Marsh, Cole Hutchinson, David Hearn, Sven Oser, 2000DC, Gary Heather, Roger McNally, Joshua Dove, Mark Fletcher, Etienne Wettingfield, Niall Bullitt, Alexander Gosling, and TJ. These awesome people have chosen to back our Patreon and we are hugely appreciative of the support they offer. If you want to join them and get a mention in next month's shout out, access to our Discord server and any special releases we put out and probably some other cool stuff, then sign up by the 21st of the month at patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past for little more than the price of a pint of beer believers it really helps us out now please enjoy this episode of zap to the past Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I am joined as ever by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you have not listened before, then this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week, we're going to be starting our look at May 1987 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 25 of Zap 64, along with what was also going on in UK music that month. Graham, it is now your noble duty to inform the populace of what proclamations we shall henceforth issue. In this recently refurbished village pub that now charges nine quid for the olive and mixed bread starter, six pound for a pint of cooking lager, and has added afternoon tea to the menu of an episode, we adopt our first Clint Eastwood-style Sherman accent as we go on a daring gauntlet-style mission into the eagle's nest, avoid fork-thrusted sausages, and enter full gaunch mode on the quest for a confiscated Walkman in the utterly dreadful Grange Hill, and bemoan the Edward Woodwardless, not-set-in-New-York wonderboy-like stupidity of the Equalizer. We also break out some German comics for a change of pace and try our hardest to get behind the lost-in-translation nonsense of the game Werner, take on some amazing side-scrolling space battles for some frantic multi-bullet madness in the amazing Nemesis, and, in a dramatic change of pace, quickly construct a racing yacht, crank our spinnakers and head off on the high seas in the nauseous sailing. If that pan-seared ocean salt-dipped tuna steak, dauphinoise potatoes and slapped parsnip compote for 22 quid hasn't made you rethink lunchtime cuisine, we also consider the game with no-name nonsense of the silu-similar, blocky isomonotonous hopalong, SOS, go back and forth and back and forth, picking up the poor Mabantes and escorting them to their new underground world in the monorail-tastic armadillo, and dig out our old martial arts pants, practice our best head kicks, and leap around the palace beating people up in the kung flop nonsense of Shaolin's Road. We also declare 8-bit war on yet another crappy Xevious-inspired shit stain with the utterly abysmal aftermath, before finally heading back into a gauntlety dungeon-like world, this time dressed as a frog, in the hoppy, but not always happy, world of Ranarama. There are some decent games in here, though in truth they are often hiding just behind the massive dog turd games. Ah well, for every yin there is a yang. 
heraldic. <laughs> Good issuing. <laughs> the issuance was well received. The populace have been proclaimed, um, or whatever. Yes. Good noble duty there. Yes, very um, good. So there you go, yes. Um, if I sound a bit bunged up, it's because I've got a cold. Sorry. Um, oh, I've lateral flow test. I've lateral flow tested myself out the wazoo. It is just a cold, so you don't, have to, you don't have to do it from the wazoo. Just, just the normal way through the nose. <laughs> oh, that's not how I've done it. Maybe why it's not showing up then. <laughs> that red, that red line was very thick. The, the wazoo test has proved to be <laughs> negative for some reason. Absolutely. So I don't think I'm breathing COVID into your earlugs. No, 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 no. Earlugs. <laughs> It's the same thing. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. It's a symptom. It's all good. It is. I get. I get. I get dumb under delirium. Is a symptom of the uh, <laughs> if they're dreaded. You know, vid. It's okay. It's all oh, good. it is. Right. Let's move. Let's get into this. We've got lots of games. Lots we of music. Have. It's uh, probably going to be another big episode. So let's crack in, shall we, with our first game? Let's go. Because our first game um, is, is this the only Sizzler this month? Yes. It is, isn't it? Oh, one of them, yes. Yeah, is this the only God, Sizzler? God, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So this is uh, uh, Into the Eagle's Nest. Um, this is £8.95 and was 90% in this issue. So there we go. Let's have a look. What is Into the Eagle's Nest? Well, it's another month and we have another Gauntlet variant. Uh, but are we in Druid Avenger territory here? Or are we plumbing the depths with another Dandy or Storm? All will be revealed as we talk about it in over the next few minutes. As that's what we do. That is, what, that is exactly that's, that's what, that's we, what, do. what we do. Um, so Into the Eagle's Nest is, is a World War II gauntlet variant, and it was designed and coded by Mr. Andrew Chalice, uh, visuals by Robin Chapman, and music by Mr. Keith Harvey. It was, by the looks of it, the last game on the C64 designed by Andrew Chalice. Um, he had already previously done, uh, do you remember Trolley Wally? He did that. Yes. He did that. And he also he did also did the playable loader games, Micro Painter and Micro Rescue. Oh, golf clap. So he did those golf, as well. Those. <laughs> golf clap needed it. <laughs> you know, just saying, he did them. Um, golf clap. And then he came back like a few years later and then did this. So anyway, Into the Eagle's Nest. So in Into the Eagle's Nest, you have the job of rescuing three commandos who have been captured after trying to blow the titular fortress up, the fortress which is known, codenamed the Eagle's Nest. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're going into it, hence the title, I guess. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what it means. Self-explanatory, um, really. So, yeah, so they're being held and they're being tortured there. Um, and this is a huge fortress uh, deep behind, uh, you know, enemy German lines. Um, so there are four missions for you to choose from, uh, from the start, uh, which range from rescuing one prisoner to rescuing all three uh, and setting off all the explosives that have been set on each level. Um, because that's what they got caught. The commandos went in, they set up some explosives and in doing so, they were captured. But they did set up the, exp the explosive. They just didn't have time to kick them off and start the fireworks. That's your job. So you start the ga game on the ground floor, and you have to make your way around the fortress, which is presented in a top-down gauntlet style. We are standard gauntlet style, so looking straight down, vertical straight down top gauntlet style. Um, you are a green attired commando. Um, and the fortress is chock full of grey-suited Nazis just waiting to be mown down. And they are waiting to be mown down in very, very orderly lines, which is very nice of them. Thought There's also much treasure to be found, um, and, and you can collect this for bonus points. The screen is split with the action on the kind of the left three quarters of the screen. Um, and the UI takes up the right-hand side, uh, the right quarter. This, shows, this UI shows how many keys you've collected, how much ammo you have, how many hits you have taken. Uh, you can take up to 50. You hit, get hit 50 times uh, and it's game over. You only have one life, so don't 
Like Makes sense, 50. really. 50 is a lot, generally. It is, yeah, but is it bullets or slaps in this game? 50 slaps is not going to kill you. <laughs> German army slaps. Oh, German army slaps, I suppose, yeah. That's a, that, sounds like that, a really pain, that sounds like a really painful play, playground game. <laughs> Fancy game of German army slaps. No! <laughs> no, I'll just play marbles, no. <laughs> All right, bend over. Not that marble. And not Ben. <laughs> Where was I? You had one life. You had one. Le- you had one German thing army to do. slaps. Was- I think we we'd- German army slaps. Uh, you need to find ammo as you go. Uh, you start off with a ninety-nine shots. Uh, obviously, every shot it goes down by one. Uh, you need to find more as you go to top up yours. You can only carry ninety-nine bullets at any one time, so don't pick up more. You get a nice little scrolling message saying. That's a waste, basically. Um, and you can find food and medikits to reduce the number of German army slaps you have received, which is a bonus. <laughs> but be careful, though, uh, as there are also crates of explosives. And shooting these twice, because you first off shoot off the lid, and then if you shoot them again with a stray bullet, death. It's death for you. Everything Stupid. blows up. Don't shoot death. explosives. It's a, it's. Don't do it. Don't do it, yeah. So essentially, be careful with your shots. So this is a game of a bit of planning. You've got to have a bit of patience here and a bit, you know, plan where you're going. Um, so there are four floors to the fortress, um, and to access them, you've got to first find the lift pass. So this means navigating your way around that first level, opening doors, and finding the lift pass. Once you get the lift pass, you can go to any of the other three levels as you see fit. There's the basement, floor two, and floor three. Um, so this gives the game a, a kind of a good sense of freedom and how to approach it. You can go you know, up, down, however you want. It's up to you. It's fairly easy to understand and play. This is, you know, it's not complicated. It's a real pick up and play title. There's, you move left, up, down, right, yep. and you shoot. So there's nothing too tricky about this. I thought it looked quite nice. I thought the graphics were really quite well-defined. They're chunky, but they're well-defined sprites. They looked the part. The level visuals are well-drawn. You know, everything looks apart. The floor's nice. The walls are nice. The, uh, all the sort of the, the, the sort of tables, everything about it, it all looks good. You know, this is a nicely well-drawn game. It moves at a decent pace, feels responsive to play, there's no problems with it. Um, I quite like the fact you don't see your bullets like in other games, which is quite nice because you're firing bullets. So you just you have to shoot, uh, every Nazi has to be shot twice because that's just... You know. They're a double bullet kind of thing. D- yeah, d- double bulleters. Um, and so uh, so you don't see it. Traversing levels is easy enough. Uh, there are keys in the right places. I never ever found myself once in this game being stuck behind doors I couldn't open with nope. the lack of keys. So, you know, Avenger and what was the other one? Dandy? Dandy. dandy? Bloody Dandy. Dandy and key. key it wasn't, ah, oh, I'm stuck because I haven't picked up the right keys. No, there's none of that in this. You could always progress and that's a good thing. So this is well designed because uh, some doors you have to open with keys and some doors you can shoot out. So they've color coded you. Yellow ones you can shoot. Gray ones you need a key and that's good that's a good thing so i thought this was a really solid title i don't really remember playing this much back in the day the problem one problem i have there's one caveat with this game and that is the scrolling because it doesn't follow the player so much and it's not flick screen it waits until you're near the edge of the playing area and then scrolls the next section on which i thought was weird strange yeah it's a strange choice i don't know why it just because Obviously, Gauntlet, we've had Gauntlet, Druid. Uh, I know Avenger kind of, this was, it's kind of Avenger, but smaller, isn't it? And Avenger did a similar sort of thing, that flicked when you got to the edge of a screen. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But this doesn't, it just waits till you get to the edge and then scrolls across and or up or down or whatever. So what you can happen is you can just have a load of Nazis suddenly appear that you didn't see coming. Mm. Um, and that can be a bit of a problem because when they come up and they, they're, they're, they're very fresh with their slaps. 
so it can lead to health loss of health quite quickly if you're not quite careful so you need to be careful there and i found that a bit bit annoying and it just just mars the flow of the gameplay somewhat i thought because it's nice and smooth all this if it scrolled with you i think this would have been great i wouldn't have had a co- complaint about this whatsoever it just needed that gauntlet druid style i think if this would have been if this have had that this would have been certainly up there with druid for me um, because I yeah. thought this was a really playable, really good looking, really good game. But it's just, I just don't like, I, I sort of equate that to like Amstrad style of scrolling. Because um, I've seen that in many mm. Amstrad games and, and I just didn't like it. Because it, it feels odd on the C64. It's it's not a massive deal breaker. You can still get quite far in it. And I did. Um, and I had a good game, good play of it. And I think it's de- deserving of its sizzler. I just, that that little bit just annoyed me a little bit. And I wish it would scrolled more smoothly. This is a really, really good game. A, a one of the much better gauntlet variants we have seen I, I, it's strange that this got a sizzler and druid didn't i think druid yeah, is probably yeah. a better gauntlet variant but i think this is still a strong one and it's probably worth your time what about you did you enjoy your time infiltrating the eagle's nest i did actually i quite like this i mean it, it actually wasn't the game i expected i don't quite know what i expected but i didn't expect this so i had a feeling in my back of my mind i think i conflated it with an isometric game of some description maybe um great escape yeah great escape or something like that. i don't know why but i did so i came to this and realized that i played it but very very like like not much back in the day so I liked it. I liked the theme. I liked the gauntlet style. I think it worked here. I think the graphics were nice. When you set a game in World War Two, essentially, you've got really good delineation of the graphics. So, you know, the the enemy soldiers are going to look like Nazis. You're going to look like you do. You know, it's probably going to be green versus grey, generally speaking, in the colour scheme. It kind of worked. The sprites look like they should. They look like soldiers in, in, in that kind of thing. The scrolling... It is scroll screen. It kind of worked. I like. I'm. A, I agree with you completely. I think if this had have been druid style, it would have worked so much better. But it it wasn't. But it kind of worked. And the the whole maze like nature of the game and running around. Okay, that is what it is. But there's a lot to like with this game. Uh, if you t- the thing is, what it didn't do was just try and replicate a gauntlet style thematic. So. It took it down to a one-player infiltration game where you've got to think about your ammunition and not shooting arbitrarily because you'll blow things up because there's uh, explosives dotted about. I like the fact that it was set in there. You've got a good, strong color base and stylistic for the graphics. There's plenty of stuff going on. There's loads of stuff to shoot. I think it's actually the most impressive gauntlet style. And I I, I, I use that term because it's that top-down kind of gauntlet view. Mm. It's the most impressive version of that since Druid. And it, oddly mm. enough, it's a game I hadn't played massively. I dabbled with it a bit, maybe back in the day, but I genuinely didn't remember a lot about it. So when I came to this, I was quite thinking, actually, this is not what I, it isn't the game I expected. I liked the style and the presentation. The graphics were kind of interesting. I was able to go around infiltrate. It's, it's a tough old game. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna die a lot and play a lot, play this game a lot. But I really quite like this, and I can see why it got the the score that it did in Zap. It's a good little game, and there's a lot to like about it. The question I have is similar to yours in that I don't know how much playability a game of a me- which is essentially a maze gets because you you know the mainstay of the first level is to run around, shoot things, and find the lift. Mm, and yeah, yeah. you know you're wandering around a maze, shooting stuff in a kind of gauntlet-esque flick screen slash scroll screen environment. Okay, but take the take. Take the game at face value for what it is, and it's a good, fun game, and I quite enjoyed playing it. And I was playing it for quite a while, you know. I I, I hadn't played it a lot, 
I enjoyed it. So it's a good little game, this. And I think probably the best Gauntlet-style game I've played since Druid. So fair play. Um, mm. Andrew Chalice and Co. You've done a good little job here. It's good. Yeah, I like it. One of the things that it, it, it's just occurred to me, because um, it didn't occur to me at the time of playing it, is that this is reminiscent of the, the you know, one of the games that was kind of, we haven't really mentioned when we talked about these Gauntlet-style things. We mentioned Dandy. Um, or that original one. But if we go back even further, the original Castle Wolfenstein, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which is 19, 19, 1981 uh, on the Apple, I think, which is a top-down w- maze game like this yeah, where you're escaping yeah. from a, a Nazi compound. Um, and so I think that there's elements of this. This is drawing from Gauntlet and, and the original Castle Wolfenstein and beyond Castle Wolfenstein, yeah. I think, as a sequel. And it's something we've not really mentioned, but, you know, it's, I think uh, maybe you always think when you think Wolfenstein, you just think it's software's Wolfenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't think, well, hang on a minute, that was actually a Gauntlet-style game in 1981. You don't. Um, but it was. And so there you go. Just thought I'd throw that in there at the end. Uh, good game, though. Yeah, I was pleased to play this. This was a nice opener. Yeah, and I think there's a thematic, isn't there? It's um, Where Eagles Dare, isn't it? The the film Abs- this yes. is kind of leaning on a little bit. So that, yes. that's all good. That's all good, that work. Yeah, Where Eagles Dare, definitely, yeah. So uh, shame you can't uh, dual, dual machine gun wheel, though, like uh, Clint Eastwood. That would be good. And Clint Eastwood, and uh, that's the one where they do the really crap fake German accents where they don't actually speak German. They just speak English with a <laughs> German accent, right? You will pass me Z, you know, that kind of thing. It's <laughs> terrible, really, but... Yeah, you can't have Richard. It's, it's Richard Burton, Richard isn't it? Richard Burton, Burton and Clint, goodness me. Clint Eastwood. Richard Burton's such a great actor. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, good game. We yes. like Into the Eagle's Nest. Good start. Nice start to May. Yeah. Uh, do we reckon it'll continue? No, because I know what's coming next and it's <laughs> shit. <You do. laughs> Sorry, I, I feel like I've just dropped a uh, spoiler. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Massive spoiler turd just <laughs> popped out. I'm sorry about that. Well, with good cause, so... Let's move on into that spoiler turd. Um, and Graham, take us back to the sausage-filled school antics of Grange Hill. <laughs> sausage school. <laughs> <laughs> it's sausage this school This game now. is so shit, it's unbelievable, <laughs> really. Um, all right, okay. I, I feel like I've got my lion's share of the crap this particular episode yeah i do apologize for that no you don't have to apologize it's just the way it works out sometimes so in this game you play uh luke gonch gardner which was a character in the grange hill tv series which is a essentially a soap opera soap opera based in a school uh, of the late 70s to mid 80s and you've got an extra character with you which is paul hollow holloway or hollow so so you play a character who has a character that runs about after him the object of this game is to retrieve Gonch, uh, Gonch Gardner's uh, Walkman, because it's been confiscated. And if he his mum finds out, he's going to be in a big trouble. So you've got to f- go into the school, break into the school in classic Grange Hill tradition and find said Walkman and get it back. Now, this isn't going to happen because this game is crap. So you're never <laughs> going to do that. So firstly, let me say, right, no Grange Hill music for this game. Dave Whitaker did the oh. music for this. And it doesn't what? feature the Grange... So the music for Grange Hill at this time would have been... Sausage. And I added that lyric. But that was the Grange Hill music. And it did change halfway through the 80s to something else. But this version of the... It's just... It's not a version of anything. I don't know what it is, but it's Dave Whitaker music. All right. And it's horrible. It's not. It's no good. So the graphics in this game... <laughs> So the top half is a, is features a 
graphic representation of a person, medium res person, <laughs> on a high res-ish background. And you have to sort of walk around and, and, and traverse said background to find the Walkman. Now, all right. I'm going to say that's as much as gameplay as I'm going to talk about because this is a really weird mix of high res and medium res, which doesn't quite work. You, I thought you looked like a guy in a suit, like a like it didn't look like a school kid. And, no, and there's so no, many ways not. you could have drawn that sprite like a school kid, not like a guy in a suit. So, and the bottom half of is a kind of a weird, beyond, sorry, the uh, weird raster bad line glitch that's in the middle of the screen, which is oh. terrible, was the text area where text things happen. So when you first start this game, you get a big essay of text in Commodore font, classic Commodore font, and it gives you the idea of what the game is about. So, you know, the game is essentially, you know, oh my God, Gonch, you've lost your Walkman. What happened? Teacher took it off me. Why? Use it in the classroom. Really? We've got to get it back. I'm sparing you the nonsense of this crap. <laughs> so when you get to it, you have to control Gonch using left or right of the joystick and fire. <laughs> fire button. Makes him... Now, you can call this move a super lunge or some <laughs> kind of jump if you like. But the first time I walked, played this game, I walked left and died. Reminded me of short circuit, so it just like I walked into my mother's house and she's like, You haven't got your open, what are you doing? Ah dead. You only get one life. When I played the game again, I walked to the right and tripped over a rock and died. A rock in the in the pavement. It was like Paving oh, slab, yeah. Yeah, paving slab. Oh, there's a paving slab that's slightly raised death. Okay. <laughs> so then I climbed what I thought was a phone box, but it turns out it was a ladder. So then you can actually when the mainstay of this game is that it has an options menu as well. So it's not just about moving left and right. So this isn't a this is a I want to say point and click, but this is this is pointless and click. <laughs> pointless and crap. Pointless and crap. <laughs> so you press your space bar and it brings up your options menu where you've got items like pick up, drop, examine, use, take, give, talk, and exit. Ninety percent of those don't do a thing in any any constituent part of this game. None of them. So I found myself unable to really get very far into this game because it's reliant on you. There's a, the initial part, for example, you climb up the telephone box ladder, jump, if you call it a jump, across two platforms, and there's a gap. If you don't make that gap, you're dead. It's just ridiculous. You can't really get anywhere, and it's it's really badly drawn. The graphics are terrible. Everything's bad. This is dreadful in every respect. Even if you could avoid the instant kill things, which you won't, because the first time you wouldn't know that they were instant kill things, so you're going to spend at least the first half hour of playing this game just dying from tripping over a rock or walking into the wrong thing. And even if you were able to jump properly in this game, which you can't because you don't jump as much as like a sort of lunge forward, I think the controls are broken in this game. And I would argue that this felt unfinished, which means it's truly bad. <laughs> For £9.95 at 90%, this game is an unfinished nightmare. It's, it's a piece of crap. And considering, as we've said so many times with licensed things, there's so much stuff with Grange Hill. I mean, Grange Hill is, is a TV show in the UK. It goes back to, I think, 1976, 77. Something like that, yeah. Right back to Tucker Jenkins and all the different characters and all of the various things that it challenged. Now, the whole point of Grange Hill as a TV show was that it challenged the ideas of things that were happening at the time and made it palatable in a kind of a tweenish kind of way. Not even tweens, but maybe pre-tween kind of way. But you know what, uh, this point in time, they were dealing with, with Zamo and stuff like that. In my time, it was Zamo and drugs. And, and, and it was just a soap opera designed to facilitate conversation around that kind of thing. 
This game elides all of that by making it about absolutely nothing to do with anything. I climbed a phone box, jumped over a gap and fell down a hole. I don't remember that ever happening in Grange Hill ever. <laughs> Everything about Grange Hill that made it the quirky kind of interesting sitcom-based BBC TV show that it was is missing from this piece of crap. And I hated it. And, and I can't imagine anyone would pay for this at 10 quid and think it was a good purchase. So I thought it was utterly crap. What about you? Yeah, it's dreadful, isn't it? It's really yeah. dreadful. Yeah. What do you, well, it's not much more to say. You've, I think you've, you've, you've um, outlined it. It's many, many flaws and problems quite well there. Yeah, you play Gonch and your sidekick Hollow. Your Walkman's been confiscated by the math teacher and you decide to break in and get it back. I have no idea what this has got to do with Grange Hill. No, I have any idea why anyone thought this was a good idea. The game looks terrible. Clunky, chunky sprites, rubbish backdrops. The music is the worst kind of Dave Whitaker loop that feels at Awful. odds with the game. As I put, where is the iconic Grange Hill tune? And the way the game plays with its stupid jump and bugs, and why is it game over if you trip on a paving slab? What kind of 15-year-old kid dies from tripping on a paving slab? No. It's just stupid. There's no internal logic here, or there's no attempt at quality control. It's just a mess of a thing. It's another stinker that joins Transformers in a long line of awful cash grab license tie-ins my final note on this is why the hell didn't they just rip off school days yeah why why wouldn't you do that i mean if you're gonna if you've got great chill you've got school days you could you could probably make some there yeah the weird thing is did you did you bump into the uh the drug pusher in the park no i didn't get that far yeah there's a drug pusher in the park who just offers you some some drugs and then if you try to talk to him it just goes no 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 i'm like okay i get it, it. Does, yeah <laughs> but, but um, it was very strange. Because very, very it, weird. Because this game is arsehole. It really is. This is Cacola. Yep. So, yeah. Grange. Shame, really, because I imagine you could make something out with a bit of thought. You could make something interesting out of Grange Hill. Like I said, school days. It's already strange been Strange Hill. <laughs> just, I don't know. Crap Hill. It's just crap. Really bad. Really bad. bad. Let's move bad. along. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and let's talk about Edward Woodward. Woodward, Woodward. Woodward, Woodward. Because our next game uh, is The Equalizer. So, anyway, so what's The Equalizer? Now, my first note is, is it more disappointing, this question, to have this game not actually be about Edward Woodward um, than to have this game be about Edward Woodward and to have been crap, which it likely would have been? That's a lot of Woodward, Woodward and would have been. <laughs> and it's really hard to say, repeatedly. So if this was a crappy Equalizer tie-in, we know it would be crap. Is it worse to have this game disappoint you and not be about that or not be about that and be well, that anyway? Well, I would rather it was about that and crap than this. Okay, so so and then the next question, is there actually an Equalizer game for the C64? Uh, Google. <laughs> Someone let us know, because I don't know. It sounds like there should be. I mean, there's that crappy and A-team game, which clearly wasn't an A-team game, but anyway. But yeah, so this is not a game based on shady men in lifts. Um, and people backlit by their car headlights. Uh, no, this is weirdly a Wonder Boy knockoff. Yeah. It's like, A, where did the name Equalizer come from? Did we look at this as part of the, um, of, was this a crapvert that we looked at? No, I don't oh, think okay. so, no. No. So the original Wonder Boy came out in 1986 in the arcades, and this is just a version of that. So it was a Sega game. Uh, it's just a version of that for the C64 with a stupid name. So you play a caveman whose girlfriend has been captured uh, in that Mario-style whatever. The princess has been captured, blah, blah, blah. And off you set to rescue her. So this is a bi-directional scroller where you walk along a flat path and shoot anything that comes towards you or you jump over it. 
that's it really so it's mm. that kind of just walk along nameless animals myriad of animals just wander along at you and you can shoot them you used to throw your axe supposedly but don't, or whatever it is but you don't like an axe or a club or whatever it's supposed to be you have an infinite supply of these so you just keep shooting and jumping and bouncing there's gaps to shoot and whatever there's fruit to collect and when you get to the end of the level you collect the heart at the end of the level and this takes you to the next more we say challenging level where there are more gaps moving platforms and more enemies to kill it's that it's a simple arcade clone it you know not even dressed up in any kind of interesting fancy trousers this looks like wonder boy weirdly the main sprite is a bit chunky but the backgrounds are okay in, a, in, a, in an arcade arcade kind of way c64 arcade style but the collision detection oh god it's all over the place and there, there isn't much more to this aside from run along and jump and shoot and it gets dull very quickly. It's not terrible. It got 60%. I think it's been a bit generous. It's bang on average for me. It's just in that 45 to 55 bracket. If you wanted a passable version of Wonder Boy in the 64, you know, here it is, I guess. If you're desperate to play something that resembles Wonder Boy by this point, it's just a bit twee in the middle of the road. So, which in the end is kind of like Wonder Boy. I was never a massive Wonder Boy fan, I have to say. So, there's no real surprises here. It's just that strange name. Um, I found this just there's not a lot to say about it it's just a passable version of a clone of wonder boy in the in the grand scheme of things where he works but the collision detection's off don't know did you get anything from it or do you no, think it was rubbish no this is just a crap wonder boy clone like you say jump and run mario style graphics were i guess passable at best in terms of background graphics they were they look kind of like the thing they were meant to look like and um, the music is just bloody horrible this it just made the yeah, game difficult yeah, to was. endure it was this god knows what you can call that genre it was like um just it was just horrible scrolling speed was quite nippy background graphics again like i say passable main sprite was i thought pretty bad the enemies were generally kind of badly drawn it's just wonder boy so you're walking walking across jumping and avoiding stuff mm-hmm. um the object of this game was to collect all the fruit on the level it's not immediately obvious that that's what it is because the graphics aren't what you call great <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got to avoid the nasties, you know, the lizards, the snails, the bouncing jellyfish. I don't know. I just I just didn't find it very good. I find it weird that you fired sperm from your belly button at enemies on this. <laughs> it kind of wigged me out a bit. Because you do. You, Do you, mean know, you don't? Well, that's <laughs> not as far as I'm aware. But that, in this game, you 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 know, it says it says in the instructions you fire a, some kind of liquid from your belly button, and that doesn't change throughout. Because the idea of this is that. As you progress through the game, you get more equalized. So you become the equalizer towards the end of the game. Now, I, I never got that far into it to see if that made no, it change. 16 I, levels in there. Yeah, and I don't believe it did change. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it did. So uh, I just think it becomes harder and harder to endure as opposed to evolve. So eventually you might become the equalizer and maybe you do and maybe you stop people getting harassed in new elevators who knows but i doubt that this game's the precursor to that it's 199 that's the main saving grace of this that, that you're only playing two quid for this piece of crap so um, and that is a bit of a theme yeah, for this yeah. episode of the uh, the podcast but it's probably why you got 60 percent. it is but i just found it really bitty and nasty and just 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 it was a it was a 199 version of wonder boy what do you expect for that you know what you get what you get yeah. is a crappy, badly drawn version of Wonder Boy where he shoots spunk out of his belly button. <laughs> Nobody wants that, and I certainly didn't. So it can get lost. No, thank you. <laughs> I didn't actually realise that. I thought it was just he's supposed to be firing a club or something. No, he shoots sperm. Well, he shoots a secreted liquid from his belly button. Uh, Rancidizer. Rancid. Nobody wants <laughs> any liquid come from their belly button ever. Nobody. The equijizer. 
Nope. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Nobody does. If you were sat of an evening just minding your own business and then just jelly-like liquid started secreting from your belly button, you'd be perturbed, as would everyone else. <laughs> Nobody wants doctor. that. Nobody wants that. So no. Just wrong. No, that's, that, wrong. That's called a medical, medical emergency. It, it absolutely is. I'm starting to think that his uh, girlfriend has run off and has not been captured. <laughs> She's well, fed up for being like. Would it surprise the you? Eye. The equaliser is. Why do they call it that? It's just such a stupid name. It is a stupid name. Anyway. And he's obviously playing on like you know, the Edward Woodward. It is a bit, it but, the, but the advert was a. But it makes no it was sense. that kind of like. Um, it was that kind of Neolithic image of. I think it's Da Vinci, but it's that Neolithic image of like crouched cave dude to walking upright guy you know that kind of i think it was that on the advert i'm not that oh, i don't know it? how that equates to this garbage i don't know oh man i might have to dig that out and have a look but at every stage Dreadful. of that evolution you can shoot sperm from your belly button <laughs> maybe that's the miss maybe maybe that's the missing link i've, ne- I've science, never wanted to. science hasn't discovered i've never wanted to do that either <laughs> would be embarrassing and you'd get through a lot of shirts if you were in popular company <laughs> And some beautiful person that you really like, whatever, you know, whatever your preference comes along and you are spunking in your shirt through your belly button <laughs> without sounding gross. That's just not. So you've got this. Hang on, hang on. You can't state that, say that without after just saying that <laughs> because you are gross. And I'm gross. just trying not to be, but there's no way around it. Now, this, this, the, the, the equalizer has presented us with a situation <laughs> which we weren't familiar with, which is the belly spunk and, and, I'm just horrified by it. I can't get my head around. Uh, let's let's move on quickly. I think, I think we have to very quickly. Let's, let's clean our shirts and move on and to glide uh, another quickly. <laughs> another pile of crap. Yes, please. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So I mean, that was a playable game at least. The next one. This one coming up. Graham Werner. Werner. Jeez. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is just stupid crap. So I don't know much about Werner, 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 which I'm guessing Werner, because it's a ger- it's basically a German game, I think. Mm. And the character of Werner is some kind of German comic or German comic character that clearly gets into hijinks and fun. And there's some, you know, there's a look to this. So this is based around the character of Werner. And this game is essentially a multi-game so it's a game involving Werner in multiple situations so you start the game and it took me ages to figure this out it starts and you're just presented with that kind of a goofy bald character and you have to actually press your button repeatedly till your beer pops on the right (laughs) and then somebody shouts uh mac hin which is hurry up in german and then you can choose your language all right, I'm just going to go with the logic of this stupid crap. So you choose English. I chose English. You could do German if you wanted. And then you're presented with your choice of the menu, which is five different games. Now, I am not going to translate or try and pronounce the German versions of these. I'm just going to go with what I was presented with, which was the English version. So you can choose from diddling. We'll come to that. <laughs> motor ride, panic tour, motorbike assembly, drive in the fog and that's it and and all of the above essentially so so this is a game where you once you've popped your beer cork you can choose from one of these games or all of them so diddling by the way is a version of a german game called maya which is some kind of dice game i have to say i entered this with no clue as to what was it what the hell was going on and it's some kind of bluffing game so you somebody throws dice and you have to guess the numbers on the dice and 
Is it true? Is it bluff? And who cares? Who cares what it is? What it was to me was a large image of the same uh, Werner from the previous Pop Your Cork thing, just periodically looking kind of grumpy or unhappy at what I was doing. It made no sense whatsoever, and I, and I didn't enjoy playing it, and I wasn't sure what I was doing. And maybe it's just because I'm not buying into the whole Werner thing. Anyway, so so there is this game that you can choose anyway. When you go back to the menu, you can play the other games. Motor Ride is a side... Now, we're going to use these terms pretty loosely. A side-scrolling <laughs> drive in which you've got to avoid obstacles by accelerating or ducking. In my experience of this badly drawn graphic nightmare, this was a weird-to-control, badly drawn piece of crap that I had no idea really what I was doing other than trying to avoid stuff, maybe. It's just, it's, it's awful. I can't explain how bad it is. It's this, it felt unfinished. This was an unfinished... The graphics on these things are badly drawn, badly realised. It makes no sense what you're doing. It's just clearly... If you if you really know what this Verna thing is, maybe there's a thing for you. But I'd, even then, I would doubt that. The second game you can play is called Panic Tour in English, which is where it's essentially the same as the first game, exactly the same as the first game. But you've got to pick up and use objects at the right time. And again, you can't control it. It doesn't respond in the way you think it should, and you can't do anything. So it's just again, you just go wah wah wah. You get a lot of uh, negative sound effects. You know, you're not you're not going to make it. The, the next game, which is Motorbike Assembly, is the stupidest game of all time. <laughs> it's not a game. So you have an array of motorbike parts graphically displayed in a, in a scrolling item at the top, which you can scroll with your joystick. You have 12 attempts to correctly guess the items that you need to make a motorbike. If you don't get them, then the game ends. <laughs> And there is no way, there's quite a lot of parts in this, there's no way you're going to know what that is. It's just the stupidest game idea of all time. It's crap. It's really, really stupid. Really, really, really stupid. So <laughs> even if you make it past the motorbike assembly in some meaningful way, which you won't, because you've got 12 guesses to guess at 500 random motorbike parts, of which I tried 12 guesses on my first attempt and got none. None. <laughs> So even if you make it past that, the follow-up game to that in this list of crap is what's called Driving the Fog, which is where you've got a floating, badly drawn motorcycle in the main view of the screen, hovering around, maybe avoiding things. I don't know how you did that. Just floats through the air and just it just ends. This is utterly, utterly dreadful. I cannot imagine a world where anyone would buy this for $9.95 and feel happy about themselves. It is awful. And even if this was a licensed game, and Werner, Werner was the greatest licensed character of all time, it would still be utterly shit. I cannot and do not understand where this has come from. Zap gave it 10%. I think they were being really generous. I would have given this zero. I wouldn't have reviewed it, actually. But since they did, I'd have given this in the one or two or three. This is utterly crap. Maybe they gave it 10% because some of the graphics and the main sprites at the opening sequences are quite well drawn i suppose for what they are but honestly i never came across this back then why would i and i didn't come across it till i'd played it for this and, and honestly it's utterly shit it's really bad so 1987 verna no 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 just no crap no 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 <laughs> and i'm assuming that you nine. felt the nine <laughs> assuming you felt the same i did yeah this is not even a game is it the fact it got made in the first place is baffling that it then got pressed to a disc is confounding. That it got sent in for review is befuddling. 
and then it got reviewed and scored 10 percent is bewildering i yep. don't understand it it's barely a game and rather some large things happening on blue backgrounds none of it makes any sense and I know it's based on a German comic character or something, so maybe you need to be German to be in on the joke. But I'm not, and I don't want to be, and I want no part of a game with a section called diddling. <laughs> no. This is this is shocking, and probably the worst Bad. thing we have ever looked at. You know, we've looked at some shockingly shite shit, um, but this is, um, this is, I think this might be the worst. I don't know, we keep saying this, but something keeps, like, hold my, holding my beer and... and getting even worse you know we talked about how bad transformers was and we thought i was thinking good lord that's going to take some beating for the uh ass of the year whatever it is when we come to the awards at the back end but there's some competition there now isn't there there is and this is amongst the competition who qa's this which which i mean no disrespect to anybody in germany but they can't be happy with it either no who would be dreadful awful let's waste no more time on Werner, and let's move on to our last game of this section All right, yeah, so our next game, our last game for this section, um, an interesting one, a big one. This is uh, Nemesis. So this is from Konami. This is 895 and got an 80% rating. So this is an interesting release um, and, and game and uh, for quite a few reasons. Um, so Nemesis is the international name for the Japanese arcade release Gradius. Uh, so Nemesis or Gradius is an arcade release by Konami. It was, came out in 1985 um, and was originally called and was originally well in development was called scramble 2 it was intended as a sequel to konami's earlier game scramble so it was designed internally at konami by machiguchi hiroyasu and was his first game uh, to be released wow. um well that's according to the wiki on this and it was released for konami's bubble system in the arcade that was their sort of that was their arcade system basically and it is cited along with Xevious, as one of the most important games in shmup shmup history yes um, and it's quite easy to see why. So there you go. That's your, that's your history. That's the story. That's the history to this game. Um, there is a story to this game. I don't know whether it's in the arcade or whether it's just for the uh, home release, but it's perfunctory at best. You are the last hope of planet Nemesis, and they are being attacked by the evil beings from the subspace star cluster of Bacterion. Um, and you lead a squad of three Vic Vipers which I, I love the name Vic Viper for a, 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 um, for a spaceship, in a daring mission to see off the Bacterians once and for all. That's it. That's all you need. That's it. So what is Nemesis? Nemesis is a left-to-right scrolling shoot em up and in 1985 and, you know, really did set the benchmark for everything that was to come after it. It was a massive, you know, this is what it can do. Look at this. The arcade's visuals were bright and bold. The action was frenetic and constant and the sound design was amazing uh, on top. I loved the arcade. Um, it was a beast of a hit. Uh, and was the biggest grossing arcade in London, which is very oddly specific, in 1986. <laughs> <That really specific. laughs> well, this is all off the Wikipedia article, sort of thing, so take that as you will. It probably means England, maybe. Uh, it was a massive hit in the arcade, so you know, Konami, you know, it made it made them lots of money and was very big. Here in 1987, we have the C64 version, and after the horror that was Jailbreak, Konami have hired Simon Pick to do this conversion. So Simon Pick did Mad Nurse weird her micro rhythm and daredevil dennis before this um so i'm really curious as to how he got this gig <laughs> why would it, you know it's crazy he's competent as a coder well yeah i mean yeah i mean clearly yeah so there's an interview um i did a little bit digging around and there's an interview from 2003 on lemon 64 with uh, with simon it doesn't mention nemesis very much but there is an interesting quote from him saying that programming nemesis and then going to college the next day was the worst memory he had from making games ouch so he was so he was 37 when he was interviewed for this 
Uh, so that was 2003. So that was 16 years prior. So he was 20, 21 when he made this. Um, so it's quite impressive, I think. And it seems to think that he did the whole thing on his own by the looks of it. And I think, you know, it just goes to show what the industry was like back then. Kind of crazy that you just got this college guy making, Nemes- making yeah, the conversion yeah, yeah. of one of the biggest arcade games ever. It's just really strange. So what makes this special? What is it about Nemesis? Um, before we get to the CC12 version, aside from the quality of the levels, this is one of the first games to introduce power-ups in a really meaningful and player-directed way, and I think that's really quite important. Some aliens, when shot, or when entire waves of them are shot, will drop power-ups. So along the bottom of the screen, you have your list of power-ups. These are speed-up, missile, double, laser, multiple, and a question mark. Collecting one power-up allows you to activate speed-up, but collect another and you can have missiles which rain down on the ground below, a la Scramble and sort of scoot along it. Uh, so, like, remember, it's Scramble Heritage and so on. So as you build up, we spoke about this very similar to, you can see Delta just nicked this. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not beat around the bush here. Delta just took this wholesale, um, except didn't do it quite as well. Because here, you just, you just, you don't lose powers for one thing like you did in Delta. So it's up to you as the player to choose which power-up suit your style. Double uh, basically fires upwards at an angle. Laser gives you a laser beam multiple gives you a little satellite that sort of tracks after you and fires just like you do and on the c64 version you can have two multiples so you can have two trails after you. i think in the arcade you can have three but it's not you know it is what it is sort of thing so this is you know you choose how you want to play i think you can have up to four of those in play at any one time so apart from your speed ups um and really you want to stop after two speed ups that's fast enough really the next one is crazy fast and <laughs> it's almost too fast um so get that get the double get the missile and get a get a get a multiple you're good to go, really. Nothing's going to stand in your way. So then, you know, and that's great. So it opened up the genre sort of thing for games to come. You could see loads of games coming after this. And this was obviously the first in a trilogy from Nemesis. You had, sorry, Nemesis, you had uh, Salamander and then Vulcan Venture, Gradius 1 and 2 and 3 in the arcades in Japan. So the good thing is here is that the C64 version pretty much has everything in it. It's incre- It's a really, really impressive conversion, this. It has all these things from the arcade in it. This is really, really impressive. It moves fast. It's very comparable to the arcade. has all the recognised patterns and aliens in it, from the waves, the single ones, the ground-based enemies, the ceiling-based enemies, the little bases that fire, you know, spawn enemies come at you, the bouncing ones. The levels are very, very similar. I'm not quite sure if they're quite as long, but they're very, very similar. The end-level sequences are mostly there uh, with the sort of, I mean, it's hard. So, uh, with the sort of the sequence at the end of the first one with the volcanoes erupting, the end level bosses are there. Um, they've all got the same mechanics. It's all there. And it's all in one load, too. And it's all continuous. You know, yeah. this is really quite impressive. The music's accurate to the arcade, I thought. It's re- you know, I recognized it and I was like, yeah, that's nice. You do have to choose between music and sound effects. But the feel of Nemesis is here. This is a great arcade conversion, I thought. The only thing is, okay. And, and I don't know, you might know about more of this, aren't we? Is the version that we have just played, that was in our folder that we put there, is that the one that came out at the time? Has there been some kind of touching up done to this over time? Because, I'll just come to this, in the review, Zap single out the flickeriness of the sprites. And I watched a YouTube playthrough as well. And it, the, fl- the flickering sprites, it's really bad. Now, the version we played does a little bit, but it was pretty solid. Not too much, but it, I thought it was pretty solid. So I'm not sure if this is the same one that was released back then or whether somebody's come in and fixed some of the bugs and tightened it up a bit, or maybe I'm not sure. Okay, so caveat this review yeah, yeah, with the yeah. fact that I am not quite sure if the version I have played is the one that was released in 1987 or whether it has been tidied up somewhat behind the scenes. Mm. There was no mention of it in the crack that we wrote, you know, the version that we played. Played. so it's you know i don't know i haven't got the original hardware to go back and play the original mm. someone may be able to tell us differently what i can say though is this version the one we played it's a really good solid blaster and it does really does the uh, the nemesis arcade game justice there are a couple of downsides i don't know why 
he selected right shift to activate the powers. There's a massive space bar yeah, <laughs> there yeah, to hit. Yeah. Hit the space bar. <laughs> I was when I was first playing, I was like, what what button is it? And then I had a look, and that's weird. Also, if you die in the middle of the level, the arcade game, because I went and played the arcade game as well, because I wanted to sort of compare and contrast. And yes, the arcade game is a lot more, you know, or bells and whistles to it and, you know, all that sort of thing, but it's very comparable. When you die in the middle of a level, the arcade game gives you loads of red enemies to shoot, which all drop, which drop loads. You get about 10 to 15 power-ups to all hoover up, get your powers back up. This has two. <laughs> so you're kind of a bit screwed if you get to a mid-level because you're neither fast enough nor have enough power to really get through the level and that's kind of a bit of a downside it would have been nice to have those multiple enemies come on to shoot you to get back up to power so yeah it's not enough and that's a side that's a bit of a problem however if you do power up enough you'll scoot through the levels and it's, it's a really good feeling to have all that power one of the things this does do differently to the arcade the missile uh, is on a different button so obviously two button control in the arcade and the missiles on a different button so you you shoot and thingy this just gives you everything on a single button and the amount of power you feel from when you've got like a, a multiple double multiple missiles raining down firing out everywhere oh it's great it's ace this is probably the one of the best shoot ups we've played left to right squad shoot ups i played on the c64 in this replay i loved it but i don't know if it's the one that came out then that's all i can say i i love this i thought it was great and ironically and strangely i have no memory of ever playing this version back in the day wow. none okay so i i loved and strange i loved the arcade so either the version back then was just so bad i didn't play much of it because it was so flickery or and it's just gone from my memory or i don't know what what did you find what do you do you know anything more on that than i do or? well firstly i don't remember the original game being that flickery um That's good. so this is a very competent um side scroller uh, side scrolling shooter now i think i played this before i played most other side-scrolling shooters, including Delta, I think I got this, for some reason, I got this first. So I have always had a bit of a soft spot for it. I like the music. I like the way it worked. I like the, the sort of challenge of the power-ups. I like the way that it all worked. I think the graphics are very well realized, and there's a lot mm -hmm. of them, and there's a lot of variation. There's a lot of moving parts here, and the scrolling is slow. But you can nip around the screen pretty quick, as long as you get the right power-ups. I Like you, I can't but feel that the space bar would have been a better option for the no, upgrade <laughs> weird, button rather than the right shift. But okay, hey-ho. The gameplay, it's tight, and it's not as complete as the arcade experience, but it's actually, I think it's a pretty good version of this. Um, mm. The music has always been good. I quite like the way it's a, it's a version of the music, and it's, and it's quite good. And yes, you can choose between the music and the sound effects. Okay. I would have liked to have had a bit of both, I think. But it kind of works in the way that it does. The demon in here of, you know, a, a pattern repeat game. And could we argue the same argument that we made for Delta in that yeah. sense? Which is, you know, is this a game where you're in control of your ship? Or are you just remembering the patterns of the things that you encounter? I think there's a bit more randomness. Randomness? Random. Yeah, ran to this. I think, yeah. I think there is to this. So I'm not sure that wholly applies here, but Delta was such a variant of this game that it shows you how important this game and its arcade heritage and in in all the variants of it are. So Zap criticised this for being a bit unfinished in their estimation, and I'm not sure what version they played, and that it only had a few levels. I think there's five levels in this version, and I don't know how many there are in the arcade, and, and maybe it's you know maybe there's no argument for that. My experience of this, I don't remember ever encountering slowdown in this game back in the day and now. I don't remember my my prevailing memory of playing Nemesis is not one of bad graphic 
uh, slowdown or rest, basically what would be a bad line, raster time problems with multiplexing. I don't remember that. So I have to say that if those are not the bugs, that, and I don't believe the version I played was corrected in that way because they, they normally make mention of that kind of thing, then this is a pretty good game. There's a lot of movement of sprites on the screen. There's a lot of detail. There's, you know, when you're when you're playing with uh, all the various power ups and you've got the multi bullets, there's a lot of bullets flying around and there's no slowdown. The game just carries on regardless. Mm, and yeah. I like that about this. So I think this is this came out when it was about to give Delta a really good run for its money. Delta had the music and the and and it had the show and tell and it had that kind of thing. Del- this one is very um. What's the word? I think it's when you start this game, it's uninspiring to say that it doesn't look like a game that has a lot of depth. You know, it's just Nemesis, start the game, play one, two, three or four player. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very simple, but there is a lot here. And I think as the arcade is, this is one of the greatest shoot-em-up games of all time on the Commodore 64 and really playable. And in spite of all the basic bits that sort of tweak around the edges with music and some of the stuff, the graphics are great. It plays really well. You've got everything to go for. I really, really like this. There is a really nice feeling about getting those multiples on this game when you get a couple of them. And they're mm. shooting because it doesn't seem to slow the game down. For me, it didn't. There's no real difficulty. You know, it just feels like you've powered up properly. Now, that's yeah. a nice feeling in these shoot. You need to feel like you've powered up properly, that your ship has achieved some bigger status and that the things you're doing have multiple firing options and everything else because if you don't have that it just feels a little bit like it's a slog when you have that you feel like oh now i'm going to take on these extra levels and do the extra stuff makes you want to progress that's a very important thing in these games because the logic of the game is actually at its heart very simple a great great game nemesis yeah i think the difference between this and and delta is that you can, if you go down the like the laser route or the double and the missile route, e- each one is equally a viable route to go down to complete the game and to yeah, get through the levels and everything. Yeah. Whereas in Delta, it's always about you have to have this thing at this point yes. seemingly to get to get through stuff. Whereas this is like no, this this is more about you and your reaction and being able to because the you know, the enemies are not always programmed. Some of them will bounce, they'll shoot, they'll stop, and they'll they'll do stuff that you're not quite expecting. Delta seems very programmed. Yes, this no, is, no, as absolutely. you said, randomness. Delta suffers from the problem we, we acknowledged when we did the review of it, which is that a prescribed nature of the power-ups is a, is a massive problem because if you don't know that, yeah. then you're never going to be able to achieve that. This doesn't have that problem. It is not based around that stupid logic, nor does it have the crazy Delta logic of a level where you're just flying at walls at a high speed, and if you don't have the power-up, you're dead. It doesn't yeah. have that. I, I have always liked Nemesis. It's a great game, Nemesis. It's just... I think it's a little bit. Un- I think. I think because it feels underplayed when you start it up and you get that Nemesis graphic and the Starfield and yeah, yeah. I think it's easy to write it off as no. It's just you know maybe it's not as good, but this is a game it worth really playing. Is. It is really is. Yeah, good. absolutely. Well, the, the the three games Nemesis. I mean, over here what they were Nemesis, Salamander, and Vulcan Venture have always been my three favourite shoot 'em ups in the arcade. Absolutely, and it's only beaten by I think something like Catechist really later down the line. So which is our type, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah. There we go. Nemesis. We like Nemesis, and we liked uh, Into the Eagle's Nest. We didn't particularly like Grain Chill, no. Equalizer, and we certainly didn't like Werner. Lack of thrust forked <laughs> sausage with Grain Chill. <laughs> Indeed. So there you go. That's our games uh, for this first section. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back soon, where we'll be looking at music in May 1987. So please stay with us. <laughs> Keep it up. 
The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of Feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64. Hello, welcome back. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome to my musical abode. Uh, well, we can talk about music. We can talk about music all night long. In the merry month of May. This is the month of May, the merry, merry month of May. A merry, merry month of May where we, we will masticate about music. Yes, Right, come on, music. Let's let's get into music. Uh, number one singles for the first four, one, four weeks of May, because May was had uh, five Mondays. Or five five weeks anyway, whatever. There was nothing's gonna stop us now by Starship for yeah. the first four weeks. Uh, nothing did stop them, did it? Big, it did big it. massive song, song. big huge, song, huge. all of May. Yeah, obviously, yeah, people really like that because of Mannequin. But yeah. Mannequin hasn't been out of the cinema yet. We haven't mentioned Mannequin yet, have we? No, it's not come across our radar. But I think this song it's a, it's a good song, so I think people liked it. It is. It is a great song. For the last week, though, another massive tune, which I'm sure will continue into uh, June, is I Want to Dance with Somebody Who Loves Me by Whitney Houston. Oh, the huge song. What a song. Yeah. What a song. Uh, there's no denying it's, it's no, it's Whitney Houston uh, peak. The vocals are incredible for this song. They really are. And it's just, it's a good song, isn't it? You know, and it's full of energy. It is massive energy. Huge energy. Yep. So, yep. Can't deny that. In fact, if you put this uh, track, CD, single, whichever you've got, near a, a lamp, it'll just switch that lamp on and it will illuminate a room. Even if you take the bulb out, that will happen. So just be wary of that. It's a very powerful energy song. <laughs> it will it will illuminate your room no matter what. So that's actually quite a good couple of singles, isn't it? Yeah. The number one albums are probably not quite as good. No, they're not. Um, first, uh, number one album uh, for the first two weeks, Keep Your Distance by Curiosity Killed the Cat. I don't like him. I don't like anything about it. Blandcore. Yeah, it's bland cut and it's focused on one specific animal. Curiosity can kill all sorts of animals. Just be wary of curiosity generally. Absolutely. And as you know, dear, I followed their advice and never fell into their feline murdering <laughs> trap. I don't, I don't, I don't um, get involved. Carried on in our bland core nightmare for the next two weeks with It's Better to Travel from Swing Out Sister. What are they and why? I know, I know, I know break out, but I don't want to know anything else. I, I don't care about them. But what, what is, but this, but it's better to travel than what? <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a good question. Better travel than what? Travel than arrive? Is it better travel than, than, better than sort of eating? I don't know. I remember I mean, a very wide than? grin of the girl singer from... Yeah, she had a bit of a shark mouth, didn't she? Yeah, very shark. Very Bruce from... Uh... <laughs> George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once yeah. you walked into the room, people just went, no, no. <laughs> 
thinking Bruce from um, Finding Nemo, but yeah, that. <laughs> That's why he's called Bruce, isn't it? And for the last week, more bland nonsense with live, or is it live, in the City of Light by Smuppelmans mm. for one week. Simple yeah. minds. Just what are they? Why? They're dull, as you've noted. Well, dull. no wonder. You call your band Simple Minds and you know what your audience is going to be. You're laying out the benchmark for that. <laughs> but I would say, though, at this point, they have probably lost their sponsorship deal with German sweet manufacturers, I'm hoping. I would hope so. Smipplemans. Smipplemans, yeah. Sit on your grandfather's lap and have a Smipplemans. Their music is so dull at this point that they unpolish silverware <laughs> if it's played in the same room. So if you've got a nice candelabra, just watch out because it's going to end up all rusty and nasty. It really will do, yeah. crazy, stupid crap. Be covered in Smippleman gunk. Yeah, yeah. anyway, that's your number ones. Uh, what have we got in singles? So, 3rd of May, uh, in at number 23, we have Strange Love by Depeche Mode. Good song, this. Yes. Really good song. Yeah, yeah. Strange love, stranger than strange It's kind of classic hey, mode, isn't it, this? Um, that one. It's, for, it's the lead <laughs> single off their sixth album, which was Music for the Masses. This is the... It's the cusp. I'd I, I, I want to say it's the cusp of Depeche Mode, but this is a really good album by them, and it's a really good track by them. But after this, I think they changed direction a bit because uh, well, next is Violator, isn't it? Um, is Violator the album after this? I think it is, but I think, I'm not sure that there's. Oh no, it'd be 101, wouldn't it? Or they already had 101. I, I, I don't know. Remember. I don't know. But I think the mainstay of what I'm thinking is that the um, the kind of thematic of Depeche, Depeche Mode was changing at this point. Yeah. So yeah. they're becoming less kind of like synthy pop sort of stuff with a bit of techno gothy stuff inspired in there. And they were they were changing into something that they became later down the line. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, bands have to evolve. I just think this is a good point for them to where you hear the evolution. Dave Gahan's lyrics don't quite match because his lyrics and his lyrics and his vocal sounds are amazing, and they don't quite match the poppy kind of erasure-y kind of styling of of, of the other band members. And it's just it's you interesting. Lyrics. I thought Martin Gore wrote everything. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it's just more like um, the performance is more split in two. You've got one one half of them are sounding one way, and the other half are sounding the yeah. other at this point a little bit. They're maturing into what was going to happen with Violate around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, songs of love and devotion yeah yeah absolutely which i think was the one after um which is my favorite depeche mode album yeah it's all good mm. it's all oh, absolutely good. yeah there's no bad depeche mode no 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 good not really at number 40 prime mover by zodiac mind warp and the love reaction mm. do you know anything about this the only thing i know I don't. is that the love reaction part is was a partnership with jimmy county Jimmy County, who was the precursor, formation, brains behind the orb, the justified agents of Moo Moo and the KLF, oh, which okay. tells me that this is a art school kind of project. I listened to the track. It was very formulaic. No real surprises. Rockish, kind of Alice Cooper sounding-ish, kind of that kind of thing, I, I think. A Zodiac Mind Warp a separate thing then? Uh, no, Zodiac Mind Warp and, well, yes, that's the guy. That's one person, Oh, essentially. So it's it's a mixture of a guy from an art school mixing with another guy from an art school. And they form this stuff. And when you when you know that Jimmy Couty is involved, you have to think, okay, this is a person that knew how to construct music that would sell. Uh, like the KLF was a project that was based around an idea of formulaic dance tracks. Maybe this was an extension of that, and it sounds like that. It sounds like a track by numbers. 
I'm not a big fan of this kind of thing. I think it was a bit of a, a attempt to just make chart stuff happen and earn somebody some money, which you probably did. So fair play, but no. Number 40, hopefully it stayed there. I don't know. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Number 43, there's a ghost in my house by the fall. So what this are is you going to do? There's a ghost in my house. <laughs> it's not like cover. <laughs> there's a rat in my there's a rat in my kitchen. It's eating all my spaghetti. <laughs> the rat is still in my kitchen. <laughs> it won't leave. The ghost He's is settled. still in my house. <laughs> Uh, but this is by the fall. So this is a cover, isn't it? Of yes. the uh classic from the sixties. Yeah. Uh which I, I really like the classic, the the original from the sixties. I think it's a good song. I've never heard this fall version. I can only imagine what it's like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Based on a a it's apparently Northern Soul. And now this is the thing. I didn't know what that really meant. I'd heard it. What a lot. Northern Soul? Yeah, I'd I'd heard that terminology used a lot. Oh, it's Northern Soul and I'd heard it attributed to certain tracks. I didn't quite know what that meant. So it's apparently something to do with Northern Soul clubs, which are essentially the mecca of this is a actual Blackpool mecca and Wigan Casino. But it, it's certainly some kind of variation of the... I think it's... I'm not sure if it isn't singers singing Motown records in a kind of certain way. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a bit weird. It's hard to yeah, reel into it. But the one track that seems to stand out from Northern Soul is... Tainted Love seems to be the one track that comes out of that a lot. So that's a synth version mm. of a of Tainted Love is a synth version of a Northern Soul kind of track. So that's oh, right, the, yeah. that's kind of Northern Soul. So this kind of backtrack with this kind of reaching sort of not necessarily synthesized, but this kind of backtrack of that kind of type and a single singer sort of you know putting the position. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I, I have I think no it's idea safe what to say it is. that we know nothing about Northern Absolute, Soul. Nothing about Northern Soul. I'm sure somebody <laughs> will educate us about it, but. I know literally yeah. nothing about it. It's strange, though, that you know more about the next song, which is Hot Shot Tottenham uh, in at number 44. Well, I thought Tottenham this would, have, pe- would have appealed more to you because you're the football fan. Yeah, but I hate Tottenham. Okay. Um, so I really don't like football songs. No, I don't like football songs either. They're always dreadful, always, apart from it's coming home, obviously. But this was, yeah, involved, it was Chaz and Dave, wasn't it? They were just everywhere because yes. the Cockneys, isn't it? So it's Cockney, so Tottenham. So you're gonna have a, you got to have someone like that doing this. Um, I like what you've noted here, though. It's just released to celebrate reaching the 1987 FA Cup final and had the lyrics, "We're well, we're hotshot Tottenham. We are the Super Spurs. Everybody knows we're the football connoisseurs. Seven times we won the cup. Now number eight is coming. Why don't say up? I don't know there. And we're hotshot Tottenham. <laughs> and they lost. <laughs> yeah, the it's tragedy of that song is that, the tragedy is that they lost to Coventry. I'm not sure what the score was. Do you know the score? No. I don't know. Uh, I probably matter. I probably watched the final because I would have watched every FA Cup final at the time. So. <laughs> the score was uh, Tottenham lost and Coventry won. And that's the score. And that's all you need to know. Yeah. Who, who cares? Well, it kind yeah, of shoots this song in the foot. Seven times we won the cup. Now number eight is coming. <laughs> Unfortunately, oh. we didn't win. So now let's uh, let's talk about something else. Yeah, reminds me of one of our songs that was written for us our previous band <laughs> oh, with, a, no, with a particular no. with a particular rhyme that I won't I won't mention here. Um, maybe maybe I will another time, but it just reminds me of that. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can never be genuine because your feelings are so <laughs> false. That one, yeah, yeah, that's the one. It's not love that we make. <laughs> you can never be genuine because your feelings are so, so fake, fake. 
False. False. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've ruined, you've lost the rhyme. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What's, what matters is that uh, Hot Shot Tottenham were not shot Tottenham at that point, right? Yeah, they were. Yeah, shit shot. Yeah. <laughs> number 57. Uh, number, no, this is weird. Number 57. There is no number 58. There is just goes to 59. So there are two singles listed at number 57. Uh, Jack Makes 2 and 3 by Mirage and House Nation by House Master Boys and the Rude Boy of House. <laughs> I have no idea. I, those words are words. I know I've just said them, but they mean nothing to me in any shape or form. I can shed some light on this mystery for you. Do so. Do so. Mirage was a guy called uh, Miguel Wright, and he remixed the single of Jack Your Body, which was a single from Steve Silk Hurley. He mixed that with Axel F and Showing Out, Get Fresh at the Weekend, which is Mel and Kim. So he released a house track mix of those things, so a remix. And that's what that track is. And... The Housemaster Boys and the Rude Boy House. That's actually somebody called Farley Jackmaster Funk. Farley Jackmaster Funk was a house producer slash American DJ who was producing a lot of Chicago house and, and house music at the time. And so you could tell that because the song must feature the word house 25,000 times. <laughs> so it's house, 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 house. So it's about house, I think. Now, this is not a song about the housing crisis of the 80s. This is just people shouting the word house. <laughs> I suspect that the reason this is two number 57s is because, I, that, as you've rightly pointed out, I think that people did not know the difference. And you might not. If you heard these tracks, depending on where you heard them and at what point, they sound identical. They're just house tracks of the exact same BPM, of the exact same kind of sound. Maybe they just sold exactly the same amount. Oh, which would that. be weird. But which it would could be happen. weird. It could happen. It could happen. You know, in an infinite universe with infinite monkeys and typewriters and stuff, then the, a record could sell exactly the same amount. I mean, it could be the same amount of people because they're probably into that same music. The same people just bought both records. The thing is, with house music, you have to just accept that you're going to hear the same thing a lot. But that was it for that day. Let's move on. Number 78, Talk Dirty to Me by Poison. I like Talk Dirty yeah. to Me. <laughs> it's a bit eh. of a... I just, you know, it's the only Poison track I probably have any time for, but it's a stupid it's a stupid glam metal rock song, isn't it? I don't like but, him, and the lead singer is ugly. Oh, uh, <laughs> what, uh, what's it? Vince? Vince? No, what Vince, Vince Neil, Neil is it? Is it Vince Neil? I think, I think it is Vince Neil. Neil, isn't it? Poison? Yeah, I think so. Um, or is he Motley Crue? Oh, is that monthly career? I don't know. They're all kind of merged into one oh, I don't know. terrific I band. Window. Um I don't mind talk dirty to me, you know. It is what it is, isn't it? What what could you say? Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels is the singer. He's ugly. Brett Michaels is the lead singer. He's a he's an odd looking chap, should we say. But yeah, of course there's lots of backlit massive poodle here in the video. It's nineteen eighty seven and that was the thing. We 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 um you know, we concluded this last time. Well like I was expecting more Sort of scantily clad women. There's not a lot of that in there. It's all mainly them. Well, they're not. They're not a league yet. They can't get that. No. no. Poison haven't reached that stage yet. Didn't Poison also do Every Rose Has Its Thorn? Yes, and Unskinny Bop. Unskinny Bop. See, they're they're terrible. Oh, they're yes, terrible. They are. Talk yes. dirty to me is. I don't mind it. I don't. It's not mind good. It. It's, it's not, not great. Good. No, I know. No, it's not. But no, it's, it's not good. It's not. Good. Never mind. Great. <laughs> uh, number ninety-two. <laughs> don't dream it's over. Crowded house. Oof. I don't know a lot about Crowded House. I don't want to. I think, is that, are they, 
correct me if I'm wrong, are they Australian Blandcore? believe they may be. Blandcore's coming from every direction now. <laughs> it really is. But, you know, there's a couple of... Uh, they did uh, Everywhere You Go... Always, Always take, take the, the weather. weather. That was my brother-in-law's wife's favourite band. My sister-in-law, essentially. And that tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a bad thing. All right, no, okay. No, 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 no. Uh, number, no. Number, <laughs> number 94, Nosedive Karma by Gay Bikers on Acid. Stupid. Are they? I don't know anything about them. Well... What can you tell me about Gay Bikers on Acid? I listened to this track. They're still going. You can, you can, there's a Bandcamp page specifically for them. So they're, they're a psychedelic rock band, apparently from Leicester. Although I read they were also from Bristol, so Leicester, Bristol. And That's quite they're apparently the founder members of the Grebo music scene. Now, make of that what you will. I don't know what that means, really. That's a... Uh... Is that the levelers and stuff like that? People with uh, dogs on strings. Dogs on strings and hairy armpits, I'm guessing, and and yeah, and, and dungarees. They're sort of the they're the sort of uh, they're the offshoot from uh, Dex's Midnight Runners. Yeah, that, that I could be wrong. But... <laughs> I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so they signed to Virgin Records. They released an album called Drill Your Own Hole. Well, the Drill Your Own Hole album actually had no hole in the center of the album, so you actually had to drill your own hole in it to play it. Stupid marketing gimmick. Yeah. The only thing I could find that was... It it wouldn't work. (laughs) It's just just why it's just a bit (laughs) daft. Anyway, I I listened to the the couple of tracks. They were just derivative nonsense. Mary Biker, who is actually somebody called Ian Garfield Hoxley, was also a singer on the Apollo 440 albums. I'm not sure what that means or why or what they sang, but anyway... just it just it's a bit of variety i suppose the only apollo 440 track i know is that one where they sampled uh eddie van halen that's apollo 440 isn't it yeah that's um no it's not eruption that's um ain't talking about ain't talking about love ain't talking about dub yeah yeah that's the one there we go that's it for that day 17th of may uh in at number six is incommunicado by marillion you have to say it. Like, you have to say it like that. That's how you got to say it. Incommunicado. If only they were. If only someone had silenced them, so they yeah. had to remain. Don't communicate with anyone, Marillion. Although to be fair, though, every time they do pop up and we go, oh, this, oh, I know that song, and that's the only one I know. Then they come out with another one. I go, oh, I know that one too. I, I'm realizing that I know more more Marillion songs than I thought I would. Than I am well, happy have. knowing. I know this one. I have come across. Only Kaylee is the one I know of, really. You knew Lavender. Once I got and, your dilly dilly. Lav- yeah, Lavender, that's two. Thankfully, I did, I'd never heard of Incommunicado. Have you not? So oh, the right. irony right. of it is that this, these are described as British neo-progressive rock. Yeah. So what does that mean? What does it really mean? So progressive rock is an emphasis on ambitious compositions, experimentation, concept-driven lyrics, and musical virtuosity. <laughs> Okay. I love that you've looked into this. I have. Um, <laughs> Neo-progressive <laughs> is characterised by deeply emotional content, often delivered via dramatic lyrics and a generous use of imagery and theatricality on stage. That's what we were. Yes. <laughs> Meridian can be seen as a bridge between the styles of punk rock and classic progressive... What? None of those things, neo-progressive, progressive, or the bridge, describe what my experience of Marillion was. So I'm reminded a little bit of Spinal Tap, yeah. with Nigel and David are described by Derek Smalls as fire and ice, and he is the 
place in between, he is the lukewarm water. <laughs> <laughs> so what are Marillion? I don't know. I don't quite get where they sit. This was off no. their fourth studio album, Clutching at Straws. As you noted, they probably were at this point. And uh, if you listen to this, and you should, the keyboardist <laughs> is definitely channeling Rick Waitman. There's no doubt about that. It's like... <laughs> well, I think we'll, we'll hear more about wild. Rick Waitman we will. later on. <laughs> <laughs> but he's channeling it there. I don't. Do you like? I don't like Merlin. I don't like. No. Them. I don't like them. No, I just recognise the songs because they were just in the charts, and I do. I just remember that. Do 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 do. Do you remember the deb deb do? No, I don't. No, get lost. <laughs> get lost. Number ten. In at number ten was I want to dance with somebody who loves me. Whitney Houston. We spoke yeah. about that. That goes to number so one. much energy and power. There is light bulbs. Uh, number twenty-three, Born to Run Live Oof. or Born to Run Live. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. I prefer to hear Born to Run Dead. I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, number twenty-eight, Five Get Over Excited by the House Martins. Yeah, I don't know it very well, but the album that it's from, which is something called "The People Who Grinned Themselves to Death," that's a great title for an album. It's a good album for title, although it does remind me of the. Um, the Monty Python sketch about the funniest joke ever told. Yes, yes, yes. So, <laughs> <remember> <laughs> the Germans tried to come up with their own version and everything. <laughs> yeah. my, my dog has no nose. How does it smell? <laughs> Awful. Yeah. The, the basement was full of milkmen. <laughs> Some of whom were very, <laughs> were old. very that's old. Ernest. That's Ernest Scribbler, manufacturer <laughs> of, of jokes. Funniest, funniest joke ever. <laughs> Yeah. He, he will now write Ernest, the funniest joke. This is Ernest Scribbler, <laughs> manufacturer of jokes in a few moments he will write the funniest joke in the world and as a result die laughing <laughs> yeah that's it number 44 infidelity by simply red of course they had a track oh, yeah yeah of course <laughs> mick hooknell's favorite word next to the phrase hot cross buns <laughs> and pass me more bread <laughs> yes exactly mick hooknell he knows how to cross a bun he does he just he, <laughs> he just does, does. Uh, he knows how to butter a bap yeah yes he is he has glazed more buns <laughs> than he <laughs> than he than you and i will ever dream about yeah he, he is the iced bun manufacturer of the pop world oh it's so gross it's put me off hot cross buns for life <laughs> he does it from his belly button no this is the idea that he goes pass me that bun there we go. Oh, it's so exciting. That's glazed. That's well glazed. That. Oh, that's a good glaze. That's well iced. And I'm never watching uh, Bake Off again. Did you call them that. glazed buns or ice buns? They're different things. They are, but in his world, <laughs> either way, I've just grossed me out beyond anything I want to think about. Oh, it's dripping off the end. Yeah. Um, no. In at number 50 was Luca by Susan Vega. My name is Luca. Good track. Sad song, but good track. I think everyone knows that track and Tom's Diner. So we'll come to the album in a bit. So We will. Uh, number 78, Love Missile F111 by Pop Will Eat Itself. Cover. I didn't know Pop Will Eat Itself were going this early, if I'm honest. No, they shouldn't have, because this is a crap cover of a crap song. Yeah, because uh, they change into so. something quite different by, later on, don't they? They become like this sort of heavy, hardcore sort of dance track, dance sort of mix-up, don't they? Dance, industrial-ish almost mix-up, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's and this weird. is crap, so. It is. Terrible cover of CC Sputnik song, isn't it? Yep. Twenty uh, fourth of May. Uh, in at number twenty three was the victim of love by Erasure. Yeah, it's all right. Did you watch the video? Yes, I did. Uh, there's lots of Andy Bell half bend dancing. <laughs> <laughs> he does do a lot of that. <laughs> it's it's the, the Andy Bell half bend dance. <laughs> he does do a lot of semi bend, <laughs> full bend, half bend, <laughs> semi bend. Semi -bend. <laughs> he does all he the does. bends. <laughs> it's a very bendy guy, and uh, 
I did wonder at the beginning if there was a because the opening thirty seconds is kind of all vowel sounds. I wonder if it was a challenge, like do that. But, <laughs> Probably. Um, but after Probably. that, it's all it's all bend after that. It's all bend after that. Yeah, he just he just he's yeah he's uh, fully on the bend. Uh, number twenty seven, Goodbye Stranger by Pepsi and Shirley. Too many stabs of both trumpet and wacka wacka guitar. It's all stabby. It's very stabby. It's too many. Too, <laughs> it's all the stabs. It's the stabs. Uh, who made this, by the way? Did Pepsi and Shirley who produced this? Did, was it? A, are they a Stock Aitken and Waterman? No, I don't think they are. It, it didn't sound like their their, their gamut. Sound. No, it was more sounded like um, the chic sound slash Janet they're, Jackson they're ex, style. They're ex Wham, aren't they? They're ex Wham backing singers. So I'm just wondering where they where they went and who who produced them. It doesn't sound it doesn't sound British produced. It sounds US, but I could be wrong. I didn't look into it, but it could be wrong. Fair enough. Uh, number thirty-five. No sleep till Brooklyn from the Beastie Boys. We've spoken at length about the Beastie Boys in previous episodes. Yeah, it's it's one of their sort of classic early tracks in it. Very yes, you put it loud and shouty. It is. Yeah, it is what it is. But it's, yeah, it's okay. I, I, I don't like that version of them. I don't like the no <laughs> sleep. I like the uh, flute loop. I like that version of uh, myself. I like that version of Beastie Boys better. So it's not it's not my cup of tea. This sort that's of fair enough. Shouty, angry stuff. I'm going to guess though you liked it better than what was in at number thirty-seven, which was yeah. "Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now" by Samantha Fox. This is awful. Uh, weird, weird title. You know, she's obviously you know bit of starship titling going on there. But anyway. yeah, um, I we, yeah yeah I did listen to it. You linked it kindly linked it there for me to listen to i like to think i'm kind we mean you need to have words but hey ho <laughs> um this was awful awful uh, just the worst kind of stock aitken and walkman garbage and like you've noted here it does sound out of tune it, it is out of tune it predates auto-tune it's out of tune it's bad yeah <laughs> the it video intro bad. has too many lip zooms it did there's loads of lip zooms it, it zooms in so <laughs> close to a lips in that beginning <laughs> bit it's like i don't want to be that close to some of them i mean in all fairness Samantha Fox has lovely lips, but that that is a horrific series of zooms. And I'm trying to be political, but just super zooming on somebody's lips while they're eating a lollipop. It's not the way we do things in America. <laughs> no, it's not. Absolutely. It's like we don't feed people to giant spiders. No, we do not. We do not. Um, where are we? I've lost, I've lost my place. There we go. Number 50. Um, we're at number 50. It's Tricky uh, by Run DMC. Yeah. Classic Run DMC track. Yeah, it's the one that really made me think, actually, I, I quite like what they're doing. They were one of those bands, weren't they, that kind of managed that sort of, you've got those kind of songs in indie club and would manage that kind of crossover between yeah. indie kids and metalers and rappers yeah. and that kind of thing. They were they kind of hit all bases and, you know, obviously they had Walk This Way, which helped, but I it's think Tricky that's, did that's it as why. well. I think, I think Walk This Way was the, the bridge. And yeah, everything everything they did after that was a, a two way walkway. So it's it's pretty cool. It's tricky. It's a good track. A two way walkway. <laughs> yeah, I like it. That's what they were. In number fifty six, the Moyes, uh, the Yazoos, they're on the move. Uh, Ordinary Girl by Alison Moyes. Yes. Okay. Did she like any songs? Well, this one and the one we spoke about in the last episode or the last episode ago. She hated hated the fact that she released them because she didn't like it. She she thought she, she, it, no, the, there was a notion of selling out. She recorded these things because she knew she would make money. So in a 2004 interview, she's seen crying about that in, 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 in almost a confessional state, saying that um, she regretted massively recording this one and the previous one we mentioned, so Ordinary Girl and the other one. But she is in that 
same interview, wiping away her tears with 50 pound notes. So. <laughs> and then throwing them away into the fire. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Make of that what you wish. She's like, <laughs> and the diamonds are cr- crusting in her eyes. She's like, ah, oh, these diamonds in my eyes hurt so much. And these 50 pound notes, they don't do anything. Oh, 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 awful. Pass me awful. more caviar. <laughs> That'll uh, help. Num- <laughs> no, stop massaging my toe you five men <laughs> at number 74 was radio waves by roger waters um <laughs> did you listen to it i've heard this before uh, i've heard the album I-, I used to have the album this. what a what what a weird track that is yeah. it is it is a u2 song that they didn't sing, sung by the guy from Midnight Oil. And 20, <laughs> did you order 20 packs of paracetamol and removed all the earth wires from every electric appliance in the house? Yeah, initially, yeah, because it's Roger Waters. Yeah, absolutely, you have to. You've got to be careful. When you when you, uh, when you you unleash the waters, exactly. you, have to, you have to make sure that there's nothing to nothing earthing you. Roger, Roger hello, is there anybody <laughs> out there? Just not if you can hear me. His arms are like two, you know, deflated balloons. <laughs> it's like one of those things you see outside of a car dealership. <laughs> Flapping around in the wind. You no, know, and he Hello. has never been comfortably numb. He's uncomfortably numb. You know, nobody is. Nobody's comfortably numb. Nobody likes that. It's a horrible feeling. Horrible. Uh, number 89, Alone by Heart. There oh, you my go. God. The what a song. all-time super classic. It really is a super classic of the soft rock ballady big ballad yeah. it's, a, it's the giant it's ballad of all the giant it's ballads really it's one of them yeah what surprised me with this was that it wasn't by them originally i always thought it was but it wasn't so no it wasn't um it's a strange song but it's a brilliant song um but it's you know and it's one of my favorites to do at karaoke i have to say even though i absolutely butcher it <laughs> i'm not sure that you would hit a a high a high f i get that i get there <laughs> I think, I think maybe you think you do. It, it takes some um, <laughs> it takes some sort of vice-like <laughs> gripping. That is a high note, a high F. I know, an F sharp five, that's a high F. It is a high F, um, but, you know, it's a great song. It is a good song. 31st of May, number 13, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> song about playing Explorer. <laughs> it is, yeah, because that's a game with 40 billion locations. You're never going to find what you're looking for in that. Yeah. Ever, ever, Indeed. ever, ever. You will never, no. Uh, and number 30 is Is This Love uh, by Whitesnake. Oh, this, honestly. I, now, I really like this song. I like the, everything about it. I like the hair. I like the guitar solo. I don't like the hair, really. I like the guitar solo. I like the vibe. Tony Katane is ridiculous how, how attractive and good-looking she is in that video. And it made me think of what other things she's been in, which made me direct towards bachelor party she's not she's in bachelor party but that made me then think of monique gabrielle this is this is tenuous reasoning to put what post picture you have posted here it was it was a it was not tenuous tony katane is in bachelor party bachelor party is a film that features monique gabrielle monique gabrielle is famous for being in the you've won semi- dusty bin se- <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah okay semi-naked actually fully naked sequence in but come on i posted a limited picture i think of that and she is yeah, but you need to give me a bit of heads up it's just stupid how good I'm looking scrolling down the page it's stupid how good looking the women are in that film it's ridiculous yeah it's ridiculous yes, it is ridiculous and she's but... just an example of that and it's made me instantly want to watch it again 
and again and again. So it's a good song, though. It is this stuff. It's not featuring that film at all. It's nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, no, that's what I'm saying. Mean. Just saying. But Tony uh, Contain is in Bachelor Party. So Jesus, number fifty-two, <laughs> Diamonds, nineteen eighty-seven by Herb Alpert. That's the honk and go. the boy in the same episode. That's that could cause trouble. He's not the honk. Well, he's one of the honks. He's the he's the trumpeter. The honk is a, a guy out of uh, Fine Young Cannibals. So what's Herb Albert then? He's the trumpeter. The trumpet. Okay, he's well, the trumper. They're in the same episode. The t- so he's the, to- the tutor, shall we say? There's going to be tra- I put, there's going to be trumpets and pies everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is an actuality. Another track with Janet Jackson at the vocal helm, and it actually doesn't feature a lot of trumpet. Very little uh. trumpet. Slight stabs which is not something you want to hear about trumpets. <laughs> and the occasional <laughs> here and there, but not a lot. Not Herb, a lot. How, much, how much trumpet have you got in this song? Only the, only the slightest of stabs. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a, the odd stab here. <laughs> the odd stab there. <laughs> the odd stab here. It's <laughs> a so, so measure of trumpet. How much trumpet is there in this? 18 stabs. 18? <laughs> Half a stab. <laughs> Half a stab. There's a stab and then a full-blown... <laughs> Oh, it's too much. Too much. Uh, number 74, <laughs> Star Trek In by The Firm. This was Stingy, wasn't it? This was uh, Jimmy Courtney, wasn't it? Wasn't this KLF? No, nothing to do with them. I always thought it was. No. I always thought it was something to do with them. Nope. Hmm. This was a uh, a bit of a an alternative, just thing that happened based on... Based on no, a I'm confusing that with Doctor in the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, stupid this this came about because of a series of events, nothing to do with the KLF. Somebody did a version of I Am The Music Man and they filled it with Star Trek characters and then eventually this thing emerged. What's interesting about this is because it, no, it is stupid. It's Klingons on the starboard bow, starboard bow, and all of that stuff. And it was it's number 74 now. It goes to number one. However, mm-hmm. it does. Welcome there's a phrase in it which is um, where they sing as different characters in the out of the Star Trek universe, one of which is Spock. And the Spock character goes, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it, not as we know it. That is not a line from Star Trek, but that has subsequently been misattributed into that TV series. So people think that Spock did say, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it. And he never said that in the TV series ever. Does Kirk ever say this Klingons off the starboard bow? uh, No, not quite like that, no. There we go. Uh, And finally for our singles, number 78, Break Every Rule by Tina Turner. Yeah, my advice is don't. <laughs> it might seem as like a good idea to follow the ideas in that song. You'll likely lead to a lot of trouble, possibly danger, and even worse, a lifetime subscription to Weller because <laughs> uh, you'll need the hairspray because that is backcomb crazy. She does at this point. I think she does have the world record for backcombing of the hair. She exactly. must have. It. It's massive because she lives in the backcomb city limits. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, right, shedding, move on quick. <laughs> shedding listeners at every song. Uh, right, albums. Let's move into albums quickly. 3rd of May, straight in at number one. We've got uh, Keep Your Distance by Curiosity Killed the Cat. Yeah, I'm doing Crap, that. So I, won't, I, I won't listen to that rubbish. I'm keeping my distance. Thanks for the advice. Yeah, uh, in at number two, Solitude Standing by Suzanne Vega. Mm. Uh, it was her most commercially successful album. It's a, yeah. it's a, I still prefer her first album personally, but I, I was one of those people who bought this when it came out. Yeah, Tom's Diner and Luca on one and two on the album, so you know where that's yeah. going. Yeah, it's good. And I do like I do like her version of, obviously, the, the, the original version of Tom's Diner yeah. rather than the, uh, the crappy dance version that came out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number 32, <sighs> Living in a Box, 
with by living in a box. So yes, you put it. Wasn't there a single also called living in a box? You've got the. <laughs> I, I'm triply angry. This is duh, 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 duh. triple anger. Band name, album name, song name, all living in a box. I get annoyed when they use the same word, same out. Al- no, just I don't mind eponymous debut albums, but when you use the same song, you got a song. No, no, I'm not having this. No. My only saving grace for this is that they were actually living inside a box, like a cardboard box, and that, that and that that <laughs> well, was a choice that, of theirs. Because they sang about it. Yeah, but I, I want that to be a, a, like a life choice. So they 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 just opted for con- the convenience <laughs> of cardboard living and housing. I'm sure that's not the case, but you know, it, but I can uh, see why you'd be angry about it. Just oh, annoys me. Uh, number fifty one, Hillbilly Deluxe by Dwight Yoakam. Who? <laughs> Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> yeah. Country album, country music, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number fifty-three. This is the story by the Proclaimers. <laughs> do you, <laughs> do you, like, do you like him? No. Do you? No. It's this letter from America's on this album. Not five hundred miles. That, that's the only two tracks I know of them. Yeah. I didn't. Re- I didn't even realize they made albums, which is ironic considering their name. So they <laughs> they just didn't proclaim. <laughs> Because like, <laughs> at the beginning, they didn't proclaim themselves. Exactly. So I think the Proclaimers is actually more of a statement of intent than their actual band <laughs> name. But okay, we'll go with that. Yeah, indeed. Number 81, Join the Army by Suicidal Tendencies. Bah, no thrash metal garbage. No, thanks. Yeah, that's no, no, no. Uh, no 10th of May, number 60, Dead Letter Office by R.E.M. Yeah. Um, you, Do like you like joke? <laughs> yeah, I did like it. Yeah. I find it, I, I find it, I find it handy when I sleep. <laughs> Yeah, um, do you, but do you actually do? Do you actually like what well, REM? They're all yeah, right. The band. They're, they're, I'm, I'm not a massive fan. I know some yeah. people, you know, automatically the people and stuff. Obviously, when they became huge, wasn't it? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I like some of their singles and stuff, but I just find them a bit. I don't like Michael Stipe. Are they not the shiny, happy people that you thought they were? No, no. no that's fair. That's they're fair. quite. They're quite close to American blandcore, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree completely. So you know. Couldn't, couldn't have put it better. Number 94, The Gospels by Rick Wakeman. Uh, I'll leave this one to you. <laughs> well, because Rick Wakeman is famous for his kind of sounds, and that's true. But that is just how Rick Wakeman starts the day. Um, he sounds that synth cry, if he can, across the Pennines, because that's where he lives. Um, now, a warning that the... Uh, that is a generally considered a warning that the Wakeman hath woken and the locals live in fear of an annual day of celebration known as the Wakening, where Rick Wakeman pretends to be asleep and three locals of quote-unquote virtue true are pushed down a hill in his honour. After that, he gives three power yawns, whatever that might be, down an alpine <laughs> horn and emits the cry of waketh, which in ancient times was meant to summon the demon with one foot. However, nowadays... That just summons locals to clap, cheer, and drink local beer, which is known locally as Hawken. And that beer is actually a blend of soot and methylated spirits. And uh, unfortunately for them, blindness is common amongst them because of that. I just think it's interesting that those local traditions still exist to this day. Got Absolutely. A I'm glad that he embraces them. He is a good egg. <laughs> we, are, we are a land of tradition, if nothing else. <laughs> so. And I'm sure all of that... Is true or not? I don't know for sure. I've never been around <laughs> where he lives, so I don't know for sure. But I'm pretty uh, sure it probably is almost something that could have happened. I have tried a, a pint of Hawken, though. <laughs> oh, what was it like? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Blinding. I, I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't see for like half an hour. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to try it, I think. 
Absolutely. I was quite glad, actually, because there was things going on that I could hear that I wasn't happy with. I was just glad I couldn't see them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, strange. they wrote a song about it. Soon may the Wakeman come to bring them sugar and tea and rum. He wrote that long before the uh, Wellerman thing. Anyway, never mind that. That's a TikTok thing. 17th of May, uh, <laughs> in at number one, straight in. It's better to travel. We don't know why. Is that what it's better than? Dolls uh, out sister. Yep. Number 13 is Tribute by Ozzy Osbourne. Aye. Live uh, album. So it's an old live album. Well, no, it's a live album tribute to Randy Rhodes, who died five years before this album was released. So it's mainly Randy Rhodes stuff played with Ozzy Osbourne during Black Sabbath. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It's five years old and they've just released it as a tribute to Randy Rhodes. Yeah, but he just died at odd. this point. No, he died five years before this album came out. <laughs> yeah. What's the point? That's probably when Ozzy realised, to be fair. <laughs> he's dead. Oh, what? No. What, do you, what do you mean he's dead? That's not, that isn't Randy. <laughs> oh no, Randy's dead. <laughs> That's a pretty good Ozzy Osbourne impression, actually. <laughs> Why did no one tell me? <laughs> I've been watching Alvina's Ain't Pet. I always think of um, Ozzy Osbourne as if he was like that guy in Aliens. You mean they've got to nuke the site from orbit? <laughs> <laughs> no, just, for some reason he could do that he could be that uh number 30 is babble by that petrol emotion yeah it is another second album it is i don't know what they sound like and i'm never going to because i'm not going to look for more no. into that number 43 is his finest collection by roger whittaker oh that is a great collection by roger whittaker though <laughs> what is it his collection of what well you you question what he collects or what he and I would argue that it is essentially a bit a collection of small breads and a jar of beads, various jars of beads. Now, yeah. that's my understanding of Roger Whittaker's collections. You might have a different one, but he does whistle a lot. He does. All the time. In the shower, down the shops, on the bus, waiting in the post office, tying his shoes in bed, watching TV in the cinema, whilst listening to his wife, at graduations, on the plane. Whilst canoeing, cooking, cleaning his teeth, which is a spraying nightmare uh, everywhere. <laughs> well, he speaks fluent whistle, which well, is a language. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's often been seen conversing with the clangers. He has. If you say to uh, Roger Whitaker, what would you like for tea? He's going, <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Is that, is that pancake? <laughs> what's that? Che- cheese on toast? <laughs> <laughs> All right. No cheese then, for Christ's sake. I'm trying to accommodate you here, Roger. Now bugger off. <laughs> He's, he's a whistling bloody shit, is what he's, he is. Absolutely. Wh- whistling Whitaker, they call him. 24th of May, number 14, <laughs> Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. Oh, it's just, it's the classic Motley Crue album, the fourth album. It's got, it contains the singles Girls, 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 You're All I Need, Wild Side. Just, I'd, I, I, hate, I love to hate Motley Crue. I don't Crue. like Motley Crue. No, I don't I like it. I thought Pain but... was their classic, but... No, these, this is the big classic, Girls, Girls, Girls. It was the one that got the massive amount of MTV Airplay. And I played the gig in the Whiskey Go-Go in LA back in the day. And I can tell you, it was like a shrine to Motley Crue. Is it? Yeah, but their you know, drinking policy for uh, under-21s was very aggressive and it kind of ruined the ambience but there you go that's what you gotta do though number 27 one voice by barbara streisand weird isn't it that i've never i don't know anything about this do you know anything about this yeah she's she's not lying um she used a single voice throughout that entire album luckily her own um there was a time when she hunted voices and voice boxes down like a like that creature in jeepers creepers she tore them out whatever creature she had 
and found them in and then swallowed them in a kind of a glugging, <laughs> scary <laughs> manner. Um, and then she would emit that voice. She, luckily, in this instance, it was her own voice. In some areas of suburban America, there is still a real fear of the yentl. Um, I'm, I'm scared of the Yentl. You want to be? It's horrible, really. It really is. Talented, but scary. Talented, but very scary. Number 38, Louder Than Bombs by The Smiths. No. 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 Number 62, Dawn Razor by Fields of the Nephilim. Well, you know a lot more about the Fields of the Nephilim than I do. I have just put them down to a mysterious bunch of super goths that had a fondness <laughs> for monochrome, but you know more about them, so explain um, I know, more. Well, I, know, I know a little bit more about them. I know that they liked flower. They were kind of styled themselves either as a kind of... I checked this with my partner, because obviously she knows quite a lot of goth stuff, and I thought they were like Western kind of drifter type style. So, But she was like, oh, they're supposed to be like Western ghosts. So they styled themselves like this. The front cover of Dawn Razor... Um, he's got like the, the main singer is just all in black with a big sort of you can see a cowboy hat and with a bander arranged behind him is backlit but he's he's completely in black and he looks like the uh, he looks like um, Blake from uh, The Fog okay. um, strangely enough so he kind of has that look about him if you see the album you'll know what I mean immediately but so so when they would play, used to play live to to sort of uh, get this kind of look they used to uh, cover themselves in flour to, to sort of uh, give that sort of dusty western vibe okay. to them uh, they're very good. This is a really good album. I did give it another listen to them. I've not listened to it in years, but this is a cracking album. Uh, mm. Really good. Yeah, they were more cinematic than their contemporaries. There's longer tracks. They're a bit more... Their opening track on this album is brilliant. Uh, the Harmonica yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. But it's great. You know, it's just a really good... If you like sort of goth, they're somewhere, in the, they're somewhere kind of in the middle of the sort of, uh, Sister's first album in the Mission, but with a bit more, like you said, a bit more cinematic sort of scope to them. They're a bit different, mm. but uh, they're very good. Uh, and this is a good album in all seriousness this is a great album no no i agree completely i i i listened to them in short controlled bursts mainly because of your introduction to them way back in the day i haven't given a lot of time a day but upon listening to this and revisiting some of their back catalog via spotify and other means they're actually a lot a really progressive and interesting band so so, so a bit like um a couple of other bands we've discovered as we've gone through this podcast um, they're a band I'm going to go back into and really dive into the catalogue because there's some really interesting stuff in there. Yeah, they are. They have a tendency as well just to sort of change tune halfway through a song as well. Yes, yes, they do. Uh, which is kind of weird, uh, especially in the live album is very good as well, if you listen to that. Uh, what else? 31st of May, just rounding these up. Number one is Live in the City of Light by Simple Minds, straight in. Yeah, as I've noticed, is this live? As it, Is this live? So is it live in the City of Light? There's a question for you. Or yeah. is it lives in I Am Alive? I don't know. It's a band called Simple Minds. I don't think you have to question it too heavily. <laughs> Where is the City of Light as well? And why would I want to live there or live there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There you go. Uh, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me by The Cure at number six. No. <laughs> I'm not asking. I'm just saying. No. Uh, and at number 19 is Dancing on the Couch by Go West. Oh, do you know what? The alternative name for this band was Not Go East. <laughs> Essentially, want it just go the opposite well, way. To, 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 they got their name from playing adventure games on the Commodore sixty four. Did they? No, I'm just making that up. I don't know. <laughs> don't uh, go east is like more likely. Yeah, uh, it's a bad idea. Dancing on the couch will lead to a telling off from the partner. Yeah, um, so don't do that. Uh, you'll just don't. ruin. You'll you'll ruin the cushions, and you won't be able to flump them nope. out. We've got a new sofa coming soon. And we've got these sofas in the went. Every time you have to set them up there, you have to re-plump them. So I, I, I have plumping of cushions in my future. Yes. Plumping of the cushion is a ritual. <laughs> Absolutely. It soothes the Wakeman. <laughs> <laughs> Soon may the Wakeman come. 
but yes, only to bring if us the plumped cushions up sugar. Plumped. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, plump your 20... cushions and go yeah. <laughs> number 23 bad animals by heart yeah, yeah their ninth album they've been going for ages at this point haven't they yeah 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 uh, had that's alone the album it. with alone on it yeah so it is yeah uh number 79 enya with enya yeah i don't get what enya actually is i know it's her name enya patricia brennan she is ireland's best-selling solo artist i get all that but i didn't dig the tracks that she released i remember them i remember basically almost remember orinoco flow because she could sing that just by humming vowels yeah A-I-I-O-I-I-I-E. you could do that but i actually remember more because i think that she did the soundtrack for a tv show called the celts and that was then used again in the Sleepwalker soundtrack, which is that crap Stephen King movie, which we mentioned the other week. Oh, it's crap. And then I think one of Enya's track was was used in the film L.A. Story, which L.A. Story is a good film, and that, and that track is a good moment in it. I'm just not sure, really, that Enya was... She became popular at a certain point. I'm not sure why. I guess she was just different There, there was a period was. of these kind of albums around the late 80s, early 90s, I think. Um, but yeah, she did Orinoco Flow. That's the best one, isn't it? I suppose. A, a yeah. mo- most well-known title. I think, I, I think the lyrics are, I just wrote these down just off my memory. Is it, is it Let Me Swim, Let Me Swim to the Orinoco Flow? Let me swim, let me swim. Or is it something else? Just say something else. Yeah, you you know, know that it's a colloquialism for the <laughs> passing of a small pebble-like turd. And, 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 and I'm inclined to flow. agree with that. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It sounds horrible. <laughs> painful but i'm inclined to agree with that <laughs> it really would be i mean oh i've got a painful case of the orinoco go to, go flow to, do- to go to the doctor's <laughs> i've got a massive enya <laughs> what, what, i just keep orinoco flowing <laughs> horrific enya in of the flow awful awful business <laughs> oh no oh no i've got an orinoco flow this is, is the, can you say a e i oh well, you can't do that well you've got you've got definitely got any ring of the orinoco flow <laughs> let me just get my marigolds out your celts uh, are done change you need to change your celts right now <laughs> finally finally let's, let's get this done number 82 is rain town by deacon blue oh deacon bloody blue yeah as I put here, you put Deacon Blue, Deacon Bloody Blue. They're still going now more of Deacon Faded Blue. I thought they would have sort of leveled up. They would have gone up the pecking church, gone up the pecking church order by now, like Pastor Aqua, Priest Navy, Archbishop yeah. Teal. Yes, I know. Yeah. So you know, because Deacon's quite is Deacon quite low down. I think it's quite low down. The sort of pecking order in the know. church, my, isn't it? My only experience of that is that a friend of mine was a became a deacon and the he was an American and the local media described him as the Yankee Doodle Deacon, which he wasn't wholly happy about. And that's my only experience. I don't know how it ranks, how, how a deacon ranks in the ranking of... Is this higher than a pastor? You know, lower I don't than know, a priest? I don't know. But when you describe it this way, I'm thinking like almost like a fight game on there. I'm not. You know, I'm thinking like that. Is it lower than a pastor, higher than a priest? I'm thinking of play your cards right, priest <laughs> church style. Play your priests right. I had a priest to say, pastor. <laughs> you don't get nothing to do with this game. Come on, nuns, do your dealing. Do, 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 do. Higher than a priest, higher than a priest. Oh, it's an altar boy. <laughs> <laughs> They're always lower than a priest. Ooh, it's a middle card, middle card. It's just a deacon. It's a middle card, deacon. <laughs> do you want a stick? Do you want a stick or do you want to go on? You're stuck. Oh, nice game, nice game. <laughs> good game, good game, good game. Yeah. Oh, dear. Deacon Blue. That's it. 
that's it for music. We've had a lot of music there, so that's it. That is your music. Uh, we'll be back shortly, where we've got more games coming up. We've got another six games still to do, um, and we'll be talking about them after this short break. <laughs> Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics, can Sarah find a way to escape for real? Or is she stranded on a planet full of sun, sea and chippy tea forever? Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game, having to rescue a princess or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. What about finding yourself on a space freighter full of robots? Could you clear the decks? If you were transported back to a Wild West town, having to round up outlaws, could you survive until sunset? What if you were a wizard with a cat who must color worlds? Could you beat the game, or would a virtual guitar solo announce your demise? Sarah might just be another visitor, but she doesn't want to stay a while, never mind forever. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, discover if there's a way out in Escape from the Commodore 64. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. All right, we're back. We've got six games to get through, so let's crack on. Graham, let's jump straight in, uh, grab our life jackets, uh, small dinghies and whatever it is, and tell us all about the joy of sailing. We are sailing. We are sailing. I knew you were going to start with that. <laughs> Coded by the mysterious ODE. Developed by Software Studios. Is it really Sparks Division? Um, okay. So Software Studios was a development division of Electric Dreams. And they seem to be occurring a lot in our game futures, don't they? Um, so they've got a bit of an... Software Studios have got a bit of an odd track record. Okay. Howard the Duck. Explorer. Hey. Aliens. Dandy. Oh. Hey, they did go on to do some great stuff. So, so this is a sailing game and a kind of arcade sailing simulation at that, but there's more to it. So you the idea is you've got a race against another country's opponent in this game, and you've got to go around three boys in the water. And the game is seen from the, the bow of your vessel when you play it, when you get to that point. You begin by selecting your ability level. Um, I chose Landlubber, but there's varying difficulty levels. And I, I genuinely didn't quite know what to expect with this. This is a game I had never come across in my life. So this was a totally new C64 game for me. You got to work, the, then got to work the specification of your yacht. So it's presented as like a blueprint where you've got all to the specific parameters to suit the kind of weather, race and type of competition that you're in. Now, you might need a little bit of information about the kind of thing you're doing. And I think there's a little bit of... Some of the things you change don't have a massive effect on how the game plays out, but it sort of makes you feel like it does. Maybe in the later levels, as you get better and you can play the more difficult um, opponents, maybe this has a massive effect. But in these early levels, these things don't really matter, apart from your ship length, your vessel length, which kind of does. So... You alter the parameters and it changes your blueprint real time. Of, so you see it changing in, in real time on what you're looking at. And the, the graphics are quite nice at this point. So, so far, the graphics have been more than just perfunctory Commodore font stuff. These have been like proper explanatory. You know what you're kind of changing. You know what you're doing. And I imagine, I didn't look at the manual for this, but I imagine the manual for this helps with that. So all of those factors that you have to change for part to play, 
which includes like the length of your ship, the water line length, the height of the hull, the mast length, what your hull is made of, the shape of the wings. Um, they're all factors in how this game will play out and how you are genuinely going to perform in the water and how it reacts to the weather around you. So once you choose that, you then choose your opponent by selecting their country and you're given a range of options now. As you progress and get better and win more races, you get better at the game and you rise the ranks and you can take on the more difficult opponents. These initial opponents, which is Canada, strangely enough, and a few others, I wouldn't say they were easy if you don't know what you're doing, but they, they are designed to be an, an end to the game. So they're designed to not be like too challenging. So once you do that and select select them and you start the game, once you're happy, you start the race and, you, and you're sailing. Now, the view of your game is from the bow of your ship. So it's obviously from the front. And you, you can as soon as it starts, you can see your opponent in the distance in the ocean. And the ocean is moving up and down and, and in quite an effective kind of wave emotion. So it's actually pretty effective the way it works. It's not slow, particularly. It is kind of a, an effective visual display of, of you being up and down on an ocean and how it might work in a yacht race. You control the direction of your yacht with the joystick to some extent. And you can deploy the spinnaker, which is uh, you essentially applying the sail, which gives you more speed if the wind is in the right direction which you've got to watch for so you've got to watch for the wind and basically catch the wind in your sails if you do that and get the get that right you're going to accelerate and go through the water faster and obviously then you can navigate around the buoys and get around and win what's noticeable really here is what you're not having to do so you are focusing on the the control of your yacht and the sail so you're not really focusing on lots of complicated sailing things so the trimming of, and the pointing of the sails the clothes hauling or the beating close to the wind none of those things are particularly relevant here maybe in the later levels a little bit but what you're really controlling is uh, the direction that you're facing and whether your sail is facing the right way whether it's deployed or not and that makes it a bit more like an arcade racer and the view and the action that you're facing gives you that kind of impression now Underneath your main view of, of the ocean, which is the mainstay of the screen that you're looking at with the, you and the ocean, the ship, that you're, you're, your opponent, um, that shows your wind speed, the direction, the status of your spinnaker, so whether it's up or down, and a kind of radar showing your position and relative to the boys and to where you are. And if you get through that and you win the race, so you get around the boys, then um, you race for a, se a series of days. And after that, you get an opportunity to alter your yacht again because you can view your competition yachts to see what they're doing and you can tailor your yacht accordingly. So there's quite a lot to take in, quite a lot of controls. Is the payoff of the game enough to warrant what you have to go through to get there? Well, we'll come to that. I thought, now I quite like sailing and ships and boats and all that kind of stuff. I like that. I've got a bit of a, uh, as we've mentioned a few times in the podcast, I've got a very, very much a naval and I mean that in the traditional, <laughs> not, you know, not the belly button sense, a naval tradition in my family. So I thought this was a good hybrid of arcade versus simulation. Once you get used to the controls, there's a nice view and the actual idea of sailing and, and the yacht race is actually very well presented. It's actually quite interesting and quite good. It's This game isn't for everyone, but I think I think there's enough visually to grasp you a bit and give you a good, quite a good compelling experience, even if you're a novice sailor. I think the graphics work to its advantage here. That, that There's a lot of updates and things that change in the specs. And when you do alter the blueprints, it does alter the way 
responds to your controls. It might not seem like that at the start, but as you get to play the game more and more, you'll understand that more. The sense of the rolling moving ocean is quite real. I think the sounds really work to its advantage. Yeah, I'm not so sure about the music, but I think the sounds work really well. And there's a lot to like, and you can turn the things off if you, if you fancy a more ocean-based experience. I don't think there's an instant win with this game. I don't think you're going to play this game and just be instantly into the zone with it. You either like sailing and you're going to take the time to understand the parameters of what you're doing or you don't. And it does take time for you to figure it out, to get to grips with the steering and everything else. But they've kept the control deliberately simple and the UI simple. So you're not overwhelmed with, with the best will in the world. You're not overwhelmed with gunship levels of control of a simple yacht. So I think perseverance and persistence will pay off with this game. And if you like your games more shooty, blowy up, smashy, delta type stuff, this is nothing like you're going to like. If you like a game that's going to take you a bit more time to get used to, the Ace of Aces style stuff, maybe a little bit more simulatory than that, the gunship style stuff, if you want that kind of thing and you're looking for this and you like Destroyer maybe a little bit, I think there's something here for you and I quite enjoyed it. So it's, it's, it's quite good. It's expensive at $9.99. It got a good review in Zap because I think it surprised them all how much fun you could have with this kind of game. And I think it also surprised them because the Software Studios team that developed it have developed nothing but crap. I think they were like, wow, I can't believe they've done this. So it's interesting, isn't it? What do you think? I think you're right in saying that it's going to appeal to different people because this didn't do much for me i'm afraid um it looks like it looks like it's going to be a hardcore sailing simulation from the outset but in actuality it's really little more than an arcade racer only just a really slow one as you noted there are a host of options to pick from before you go racing over five days i think Mm. it is against different countries but the racing is just little more than sail around a triangle as fast as you can there's no didn't seem to be any difference from day to day and i thought it was just slow because you know it's sailing you don't go much more than seven or eight knots which isn't particularly very fast there's a lot of raising and lowering of the spinnaker a lot of uh spinning of the joystick um because you have to rotate it don't you anti-clockwise or clockwise to raise and lower the spinnaker okay and and you tack into and out of the wind and all that sort of stuff and you watch that flickery blue stuff go up and down and it's all you know i get what they're going for here and i think there's, there's an attempt that's really about it in it as you go from side to side trying to go the fastest you can i found on occasion that the uh, the opponent w- was i don't know what they were doing or what wind they were using because i couldn't get anywhere near them because the wind was in such a direction that um i couldn't get it. i was either going west away from the thing and i couldn't that's go where you north. have to you have to like change the blueprint of your ship accordingly i think but i couldn't do that because it was a second race so i couldn't do anything yeah so you you can't do anything from 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 race to you race. Just crap at sailing. That is true. I mean, I won the first race by a country mile, uh, but the second one they just went. I'm sure they were in a speedboat because they just went disappearing off. I was like, how are they going so fast? I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, it, this wasn't for me. I just found it r- rather dull because um, it's just not very fast. And I think, and it, I get that there's there's kind of a a strange, which kind of like sailing and being by the ocean, you know, and the sea, you know, which I like. And there's that kind of lulling sense of just as you're going through the ocean. And the sound effects are all right. And they've, they've attempted to do it. It just reminded me of that stupid kayak game we played yonks ago in the fact of like, yeah, I get it. I, think it was I as get bad it. As that. No, it's not as bad as that. It just put me in the same mind as that. Yeah. It's like I kind of get what you're doing, but it's just not for me. And so I get it. But I like that you liked it. And that's why I, I thought you would, because I, you know, I think you like these kind of things more than I do. Um, and that's all right. And I wanted to know if you would like it. Yeah, I, it's, I it's can a bit see that. Slow and dull. So it's passable and it's, it works. And, and I get what they're going for. And like I said, I do quite like the, 
the the sea effect going up and down. It's I quite thought a that nice was pretty look. effective in its own way. Yeah, it's it's a thousand times. I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's a thousand times better than that stupid surf champ effect that we had. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. which is you know, and so there is there is something to this. It's just you're gonna like. I think you're gonna have to like sailing to get really much. I from think you this. have to, yeah. But you would only buy it if because of the word sailing. Probably, I mean. yeah, true. I mean, it doesn't. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's weird that it's based on that America's Cup in it. Something you think it would be called America's Cup Challenge or something. Well, I think there is uh, a there is a game called that. I don't think it's anything to do with this one, but they are alarmingly similar. I think it's yeah. in the games that weren't. We'd, we might do a bit of digging and have a look at that, but we'll have a look. But there you go. It's all right. I think yeah, I, I get why you like it, but it's not for me. Um, so there you go, sailing. We went sailing. Aye, aye, Captain. Um, aye, aye, indeed. Let's move on to our next one. That was aye, aye. This is SOS. More letters. I'm glad or you the got game this one. No, or the game with no name. Or what? What is? Even though, thing. even though it's called SOS, yeah. Even though it's called SOS, yeah. This took me ages to find as well, but it's just stupid. Anyway, this is a budget, another budgeter, two quid. So Sydney the droid has crash landed in the main city of Alpha Five, SETI Alpha Five, one might say, uh, which made me laugh. <laughs> um, this is SETI Alpha Five. SETI <laughs> Alpha Five, and it's your job to guide him to safety through a rotational isometric adventure. Three words that I'm sure will send shivers of delight down your spine. I've just pooped. <laughs> or make you scream at the mere thought of a bug crawling in your ear. So you have to find the radio. This is how interesting this is. You've got to find the radio that's been thrown in the cr- thrown out of the wreckage in the crash in order to call for help and get out of there. It's like a crap E.T. Uh, the city is made up of narrow paths down which Sydney can bounce. It doesn't work because Sydney's a weird design. I'll come to that in a bit. You collect things like discs and coins, which you can use to solve the puzzles and open up ways forward. So the, the, the um, some of the walkways are blocked by certain things. Patrolling the walkways are enemy robots who will eat Sydney on sight. None of this makes sense. No. Robots don't eat. No. You know, this is like the bread on the Chimera. You know, it's just stupid. The visuals are okay, I guess. Uh, there's an interesting day-to-night cycle as you play with the colours becoming more washed out, which is quite a nice effect. I did quite like that. But it's that medium-res isometric look that we... But it's better than that one we played last time. What was that crap one? Uh, Prodigy. Uh, at least this was looked better than that. For two quid, you know, they're, they're all right. The music, though. Oh, my God, the music. Ah. It's, it's awful. It's one of the worst I've heard in a long time. It'll have you gouging the ears from the side of your head in about five seconds. And if that doesn't do it, then the sound effect emitted every time you rotate Sydney will do. Because the way this controls is, it's rotational. So it's not, you know, left for top left, right? You have to rotate Sydney. Yep. So you've got a, you've got a point. So it's a rotational isometric adventure. So you've got to point him in the direction and push forward to go forward. It's just stupid. Uh, so Sydney is this... How can you describe Sydney? It's just like a like a like an on its side U. Um, it's just a hook thing. I don't know. It's just stupid. It's like one bouncing. It's, it, I can't even describe him. It's two quid. <sighs> if you like these sort of things, yeah, okay. For a couple of quid, you know, if you like your chimeras and you like your uh, molecule man and you like those other kind of ones we've looked at that do this sort of stuff all the time, it's okay if you like them. It's more of that. It's literally more of those kind of games. 
It doesn't move at treacle speed, at least. Better than that Prodigy rubbish, which was full price. This would have probably kept you entertained if you like this. There's a massive caveat here. The caveat is, if you like those kind of things, and we've seen enough of these kind of things now to know that there are certain people that do like those kind of things, weird, strange people, but they do like them. So if you like that, then that's up to you. Each to your own, and don't bother me with it, because I didn't like this. It's insipid and annoying, and the sound was enough to drive me to the off switch in very little time. It is one of those in budget form and that's all you're gonna get and if you like that then that's on you <laughs> so graham did you um, i'm guessing you you did not enjoy your time with the abba titled sos no sos the game with no name but it does have a name doesn't it sos this is from the maker of silu this is from jeff foley silu that was the other one yeah. so this is from mr silu so this is a medium-res isometric adventure where you play a robot wandering around looking for stuff. A droid-and-seek game. Now, you know how I feel about droid-and-seek games. I don't like them. This is ticking all the usual nope. boxes. So, annoying rotational control. Tick. Badly realised main sprite that's oddly small. Tick. Small playing area, which means everything looks cramped and samey. Tick. Bloody annoying music that will drive a saint to the sea. Tick. Squeaky high-pitched sound effects that drive you mad. Tick. Silly death logic between rooms as they flick screen. I noticed that sometimes I went to another room and just dropped off a platform and died. I hate yep. that kind of thing. The colours yep. on this game are weird. It's a blend of purples, browns and yellows. Nobody wants those colour combinations. Um, nope. So that's like if you've been beaten up by somebody. Those are the colours that you come out with, aren't they? <laughs> it does move slightly quicker than the usual game of this type. But then again, there is very little on the screen and you can only move in a prescribed path. It's cramped, and you have to work too hard to distinguish things, and it's no fun, which means it's the off button for me with this. Yep. But it's one ninety nine, and does that offer offer something to the extended puzzle play people out there that like that kind of thing? Maybe, maybe, maybe. But for me, no. Even at one ninety nine, this game is a bunch of ass, and just not worth the time. If I have to work hard to distinguish my character from the backgrounds, then you've done something wrong. End of line <laughs> for this. End of line. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, you should You should be able to distinguish yourself quite clearly from what's going on around you. If you can't do that, then you've made a bad. You've made a bad thing. Yes, you've chosen poorly. <laughs> Very poorly. No. SOS was never going to be for us, was it? No. It was never, ever going to be for us. And that's okay. You know, we're happy in our lives. Um, we've come to terms with our isometric lives. We don't see we don't see the world in <laughs> at forty five degrees. We don't. <laughs> we don't see it at two two across and one up. <laughs> we don't. Sounds like a crossword puzzle. Uh, it's SOS. Uh, that's that one. We no. It's not for us. Maybe the next one is maybe. Tell us all about dime bars. Remember dime bars? I do. Uh, armadillo. Uh, hey. Graham, armadillo. Do you want to tell right. us about armadillo? Yeah. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Please. So this is from Codemasters. It's created by somebody called Guilo Zichi. Uh, it's got a nice title screen when you start the game. Okay. Just remember that because you're going to need to hold on to that. So the game itself, Mobanti. Mobanti. Which is the planet. It's an actual planet, which is under attack from us, me and you, the Earth folk. So we are determined to kill every everyone on that planet. And they have no capability to fight. 
so none at all. So they have no ability or willing to fight. So apart from a brave soul, a Moban, a, a Mobanet, and this is what <laughs> Zap described him as, so somebody from the Mobanti people, I guess, decide to rescue as many of the Mobanti people as possible and stash them in a deep underground bunker. That is a plan that does not work, and it's been tried and tested to see War of the Worlds for we're going to live underground plan. doesn't work. And so <laughs> you've got to pilot the bio tank, whatever that is, uh, for some reason, and which is called the Armadillo in a bid to get the folk to safety. So in order to do this, you've got to first go left with the controls, destroy the force field, which allows the pod containing the Mabanti people through. Once that happens, you grab the pod and drag it to the right, where it will eventually meet the bunker. And obviously there's things in the sky and in the way to stop you doing that. So the idea of the game is that you do that going back and forth and back and forth all the time while there are Earth ships attacking you. Back and forth, back and forth. If they touch you, it drains your power, which you have a limited amount of. Eventually, if you run out of power, it's death. And the bottom half of the screen is essentially the UI, so you've got power indicator in there and that kind of stuff. So when you run out of power, the game's over. The opening menu of this game is a raster bar-infused colourscape. So lots of demo-y kind of raster-y colours with bitty and odd music. The graphics are chunky and medium res. You control the armadillo with a joystick, so you move left and right with pushing further on those directions. Increases your speed, which is really annoying. You go up and down, which rotates your cannon, which fires a limited range of directional missiles, straightforward, and also lobs bombs, which seem to have no real impact. The enemies never really bother you that much as you trundle back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And there is very limited payoff. Sounds are very basic here. The music is passable, but also forgettable. And the main issue here is that the game is boring. It doesn't move at a reasonable pace for sure, and the premise is simple. And we have often heralded games for being too complex and too slow. Here, the game would be fine if there was more of a payoff, more action and more excitement. It's like some kind of theme park monorail simulation with added things to shoot. So you just go back and forth on the monorail, shooting at the <laughs> things and pick up people and taking them to the other place and doing that kind of thing. It's dull. Even at 199, this is dull. The graphics in this aren't terrible in terms of the way they're drawn. The backgrounds aren't awful compared to some of the things we've seen. This kind of level of zap review. So I think the 14% they gave it is a little bit harsh. I don't think this isn't a great game and it's awful in all sorts of ways, but I don't think it deserves 14%. I think it's not a great game for all sorts of reasons, mainly because it's boring, but I think it probably deserved a little bit more of the 30 to 40s, if I was honest. So I think they really just kicked this game in the groin. So this is a um, man kicks ball in groin, you know, Simpsons <laughs> type thing. But what about you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought the. I thought the music and the visuals were actually quite decent. I didn't mind the music. It's quite catchy. I'd never heard it before. And it was quite, it was quite okay. It reminded me of somebody and I couldn't, it reminded me of someone's player and I couldn't quite think who the sort of sounds and the sort of sounds, the style of it, but I could quite put my, my hand on who I thought it was. So, but the problem is, is as you've rightly pointed out, it needs more of a game here. There is something as an idea, but the limited gameplay on it becomes very tiresome very quickly. Shoot the lace to pick up the thing, to drop the thing off and repeat and try and shoot enemies with the, the oddly confusing rotational controls of up and down to rotate the gun. Yeah. Why not just use up and the up diagonals to shoot? Which yep. would feel way more obvious to me. But you know, what, what do I know, I guess? What do I know? Trying not to run out of money. There's, there's, I think there's, you know, the guy who's made this, I think he's quite a, probably a competent programmer because there's, there's some nice 
visual touches like you said the title screen's quite nice they've obviously done it all themselves by the sound of it by the looks of it i don't know but it feels like my first game fodder it's like made this and then all right we'll just release it and to me if i'd have looked at this and this is the thing i don't understand if i just make it a more traditional shoot 'em up defender style ferry the pods across if you make it like you know a bit faster that you're flying up and down left and right grab the pod you got to take it to the right if you're ferrying them but you're getting stuff coming at you shooting you and things and a bit more action this would have been all right yeah because the panther the kind of uh yeah yeah something like that there's the actual mechanics are kind of there the moving left and right and everything just allow me to move up and down more defendery style drop zone style whatever it would have been way more enjoyable than this because this reminded me in a way of like tony crowther games like suicide express and stuff yeah yeah it just that yeah. you're moving along a track and just doing nothing and and just ferrying the first level you ferry them back and forth three times the next level is it four times the next level five times it's like oh for god's sake yep, yep, yep. there's no variation in this whatsoever to the actual playing of the game and the actual shooting stuff is so limited to be pointless so i agree 14 percent is probably a bit harsh 30 yeah probably but it's a, it's not a good game. It's just it's no. just an empty game. And two quid. This would not have entertained me on a Sunday afternoon for very long. I have to say. No, Here we go. Armadillo. No, no, Armadillo. Don't know. Let's move along. Move along. Arcade, arc, arcade conversion coming up next. We've had a good arcade conversion already. This one. Let's see if the next one is. So, <laughs> why do I have to review this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I do. This is Shaolin's Road. So you play the role of Lee in this version of Shaolin's Road. There are many versions of this in which you play different characters in different versions of this. But in this version, you play Lee. And this is a triple layer. Triple layer. Triple layer. I'm not doing it again. Jumpy beat em up thing. And so you play Lee. You are the recently crowned master of Chin Shaolin. Uh, and this has bestowed upon you the ability to kill a man with a single blow. Ha! If only. Uh, if, 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 well, well if, if only the collision detection would allow you to. Uh, <laughs> with this skill, you head out onto the road, whereupon you enter a shady temple full of ne'er-do-wells who will feel the power of your mighty chin kick. Ha! <laughs> chin kick. Yeah. Uh, crap. What entails is you bouncing from layer to layer, doing your mighty kick and hoping it connects with the random enemies who run along the layers. If they come into contact with you three times, you are knocked unconscious and you lose a life. Lose three lives and it's game over, man. This is, of course, another arcade conversion, so it follows that logic. You've got three lives, that's done. The problem here is that the original, I don't think, I don't particularly like the original game. I don't think it's that good, but so in the vein no. that Legend of Cage wasn't a very good game to start with, although Legend of Cage, supposedly, this was a, a big influence on a Legend of Cage, supposedly, from what I read around. But that wasn't very good to that's start with either. That's so, the leading the blind right there. Yeah, so, you know, you're just, you're just making... It's like someone's made a shit pie and they've given you the recipe, but has left out some <laughs> of the ingredients. <laughs> so you've just tried to you've just tried to fill it with. Well, it was what kind of shit was it? Horse, dog? Oh, I don't know. Just put human in it. So, so just they'll just put different shit in a pie, and that's the thing. Worse shit. Uh, so you can kick and you can jump kick. The problem is, is the collision detection is so off. You have no idea if you are hitting or not. Now, at least in the arcade, they bounce back, they recoil, they look like a hit. Here, they just don't do anything. So you've no idea whether you're hitting anyone or not. Some enemy, I'm guessing that some enemies need to be hit more than once, but like Yi Kung Fu 2 before this, you kick too slow, so they'll always hit you. You lose three lives, you're dead, you're done, you're gone. There's no reaction when you do kick them aside from them. They just disappear. They just disappear. Yeah, they this do. the mightiest... It, that chin kick is so mighty, it transports them out of this dimension. <laughs> 
into another world, another realm. It just disintegrates them. Blah, gone. But you're not sure if you need to hit them multiple times or if the collision detection has wandered off into a corner in a huff at being programmed so badly. <laughs> That's all I could think of. This just It's borderline unplayable, this game, because of that. So... In the arcade, you the, you have quite a the flying kick is quite powerful. It's quite big, but in this, it's really muted and crap. The enemies are rubbish. The animation shit. The music's all over the place. It's converted by the edge, um, not you 2s the edge, although it might as well be. <laughs> um, and I'm guessing they've picked this up before Konami took it all in house because it's Konami. Is it Konami? It's Konami game in it. Seeing this, I get why. Shit, Chins Road um, is just my final comment on this. It's a terrible, <laughs> terrible conversion. I don't know if it's. Um, it, you know, I've read around. I've read. I, I've. I had heard that this was some kind of Yia Kung Fu sequel or something, but it's not. It's not. Um, I think some people have sort of said it is because in the arcade you've got blue trousers on and a white top in the arcade. So I think there's that link to Oolong. But in this, you're Lee and chin kicking. So this is just awful. This is a terrible conversion. Forty-seven percent is too generous on this, especially for a tenor. I thought this was rubbish. What about you? I quite agree. This is a dreadful version of an arcade and i went to play the arcade as well so i played the arcade on this and this version side by side and all i can really say is that one version the arcade lent some of the things to the c64 version so the graphics here are really rough they're a rough looking version of the arcade with badly drawn enemies and sprites it's kind of chunky and colorful but it doesn't quite work. The backgrounds, as you'd expect, they're kind of weird versions of the arcade, but the platforms you leap up and down on and the flick screen and scrolling doesn't quite work. The issues here are, one, the game pace of your character is too slow. So it feels like yes. it, the fighting feels sluggish and it lacks the frantic pace that's required, which is in the arcade. So two, the enemies have no logic, which means they just run around aimlessly and just vanish if you if and when you have kicked them. So there's no real payoff. You don't know really if you've done anything. There's no impact or payoff. on, And that is a big problem in this game because you need to know that you've hit them. In the arcade, if you hit them enough times, they fly backwards, they fly off the screen, they fly off the platforms. They, there's a lot yeah. of characters flying about. You don't get that in this. I get that that's something that is a limitation of the platform, but that's a key part of the experience. So don't sacrifice that. Sacrifice other things that you might have to sacrifice, but not the fact that the characters fly off things. Collecting the magic things seemed completely arbitrary and it made no sense in this game whatsoever. So I, I ended up picking up the yo-yo and other things and firing them. And I'm not sure how I did it or why. It didn't really matter. And for 10 quid, really, has this got the longevity of a game? No. Has, has, this got, has this got the things that you need to support you for that £10 worth of gin? No, of course it doesn't. No, this is the same arcade logic that... Yeah, Kung Fu applied, only Yeah, Kung Fu applied it precisely with the sound and the music and all the things that are required by that game. This has none of those things. So it's a very boring jump up and down the platform simulation type game with very boring payoffs for the fighting. Nothing really makes a lot of sense. The graphics are badly drawn variants of the arcade. And okay, they kind of get away with that. But you're missing so much of the key parts of the game and certainly the arcade game that it doesn't feel like it has the frantic pace or the character sort of movement. It just lacks all the things that make the arcade important, which is something they note in the Zap review. They said this is this is um, Shailen's Road without any of the road and the Shailen part. It's just perfunctory fighting game logic applied to a very boring scenario with very limited experience. Now that is just dull. And in a, you have to look at this game in, a, in the context of a fighting game and think to yourself, there are still IK Plus 
and where the exploding fist games and and at this point we're talking 18 months old maybe 15 to 18 months old they are still better than this garbage yep so yeah, yeah. even fist 2 and as much as i don't like fist 2 fist 2 is a better game with more dynamic attention to what you're trying to do even though it's crap and slow and everything else it's still a better game than this arcade conversion because this fails to do what the arcade was attempting to do this fails to do that. So what you end up with is really, really, really repetitive nonsense. And at least Fist 2 had the, the, the wherewithal to be take that into account for what it was. So no, if you're going to play this kind of game, you may as well go back to IK and IK. Well, eventually, you'll be get, of course, it'll be IK+. Plus, but this is awful. And I can't believe the Edge have even lent themselves to this nonsense. No, this is just rubbish. So what a shame. What a terrible shame. Yeah. But no, not a surprise really, though. Not really. Nicely um, nicely drawn title screen, though. Yeah, the title screen was good, I have to say. And that's the only thing I can say. It's, yeah. You think, because when you first see that, you're thinking, ooh, could be all right. And then the game starts, and then it's like, no, no, no it's not. Shaolin's Road can just carry on down the road, as far as I'm concerned. Can do one. <laughs> Let's move along. Two left. Let's bring these things to a close. To Graham, mm. you've got another budget title. Hello. Um, and so you can tell us all about the aftermath, or just aftermath. Well, I am just getting all the greats here. <laughs> I just did that challenge road. I know, it's just random. It's just all random. This is from David Cooper. Do you remember David Cooper? I do. Yeah. But remind me. Yeah, well, he's, he's, uh, that's according to the uh, title screen. It's the guy that made Robobolt. He was. So, and he also, you know, in the powerhouse, which were previously the Amiga, sorry, Alpha Omega software, released all sorts of crazy, I say release, unleashed lots of crazy <laughs> crap upon the 64 world. So here we are with Aftermath. This is a Xevious clone, essentially. A bad, bad Xevious clone. I'm going to go through the story really quickly. So the Earth is in ruins. It's devastated by an invasion of, from the Saurons. You're the last starfighter, essentially, and you've got to fly over the landscape and blow stuff up and you've got a reticule which you can do it's the look and the feel is very similar to black hawk which is a game that predates this by what two and a half years and is way better um so this is essentially a xevious clone so if you remember the xevious game that we spoke about you're a spaceship top down shoot em up shmup with a target reticule slightly above your sprite and you can shoot straight ahead of you and drop bombs on the ground things the idea is that you do that and keep going and you can you know progress through the game problem here is that this is a bad bad game so apart from the fact that you've got to put your target reticle precisely on the ground things and pull back on the joystick and fire to drop the bombs which won't hit them ever not that you'll know um everything about this is just functionally inept to get further into the game you've got to like keep firing and shooting and firing and shooting and firing and shooting the objective of the game is to destroy the enemy base if you if you get to that point um you've got to keep on flowing there's 10 different alien waves i think in the game i'm not sure if there's how many levels there are i don't know what i do know is that this main game of this Xevious type shmup scroll them up shoot them up clone is features badly drawn sprites 
flying over a badly drawn scrolling landscape, shooting at single line enemies and attempting to drop bombs on buildings, which is impossibly difficult. Everything looks quite bad. It feels quite unfinished. And honestly, I'm pretty sure it is. This is either a first attempt at a game by a person and it should never have been released or it's an abysmal load of crap. This should never have been released. Either way, it should never have been released. I'm not even... I don't care that this game was budget. This is an absolute nonsense that this game would be released and, ex- and people would be expected to pay good money for this. This is absolutely shocking. When you get to the various screens that you choose from, it's just... It's an insult. It's an absolute insult. This is a Commodore font-loaded crap menu screen of options when you get there. This mm-hmm. game feels so unpolished and so unprofessional. This, it beggars belief this was released. And even if this was... 199. Okay, it's 199. I'm sorry, but no. You're still asking two pounds of people's money, and this is just crap. This is not a two pound low budget version of Xevious. This is an absolute piece of crap. It is not worth any of the money that they were asking for it. And it shocks and saddens me that this game would be allowed to be released. This shouldn't have been released. This should not. This is not a finished game. This is a half a finished idea, maybe. And its graphics and its sounds and everything else shout that from the highest point. This is this is terrible. This is wrong. This game should have never been released. It's awful. But um, I'm sure you loved it. <laughs> sure, I didn't. I can't believe this actually got twice of uh, twice Armadillo. Twenty seven percent. Armadillo is not great, but it's it's better than this. Uh, you know, shit, Zevius clearly shit. Basically, take some going to make the C sixty four port of Zevius. Which we already didn't like look good, but you know, here we are. Has stupid controls. Why is it back and shoot to bomb? Because it means the, it means you bomb all the time. You move backwards and try and shoot. Yeah. Just normally, which is stupid. At least Devious just mapped them to all to fire together, which is fine. The sprites are terrible. Rubbish high res sprites. And then after about three waves, you get medium res multicolored sprites. Rubbish. It's just I don't understand. The collision detection on the bombs, as you've noted, is just. From, again, it's from the Shaolin's Road level of yeah. collision detection. It's slow, it's dull, it's ugly, and it sounds shit. It has a terrible title screen full of text and does that thing where it scrolls the screen on to start with. And actually, just as a, as a side on that, I'm wondering whether people... You know how Nemesis starts you in space and then you fly to the thing and then you get, you know, you have that little preamble, don't you, where you sort of power up and then you get to the level. I wonder if that's what people are thinking they're, they're doing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and they've seen that and they've gone, oh, well, yeah, we need to start everything, but completely missing the point that you, is, you know, Nemesis has you started shooting yeah. stuff in space, but you're in space. Yeah, I mean, the only saving grace here is the sound effects are pretty good. They've got good filtering, good sound effects. The sound effects are all right, but it's just an, I've just put it's an awful pox of a game, even at two quid. Oh, it's it's a scourge. It's awful. Yeah, really it's bad. It's rabies. Um, this is a rabies of a game. <laughs> Yeah, this is scabies. It is. It is rancid. It is. We didn't like Aftermath. Let's just move along because we've got one game left. And here we've got our last game. Um, and okay, so this is a high scorer. This is the second high scorer, I think, of the. This is eighty-seven percent. This is a Ranarama. Uh, coming in at nine quid. So we started the game. We sorry, we started this episode with a gauntlet style game. We're going to end it with another gauntlet style game. Uh, however, first impressions of this are not as good because you reminded here, as we you know, not with Into the Eagle's Nest, but you reminded more of Dandy than Gauntlet. There's a visual stylings here, and that doesn't bode well yeah. as an intro to this. Okay, so first of all, okay, but let's put that aside for the moment. This is by Hewson. 
and Graft Gold. Uh, and it's a conversion of the original Spectrum game, which is made by Steve Turner. Uh, Steve Turner has, has worked on quite a few games. It's converted by Gary J. Foreman. So we'll come to that in a bit. First impressions are not good. Black sprites and single color rooms. And it looks ugly. This game looks ugly, which is, you know, okay. You're going you're gonna to have to take some convincing here. There's no way around it. The game looks ugly and suffers from some quite awful slowdown at times when things get busy. Uh, and that's not good in, in what is a game that's based on shooting stuff. But, you know, Again, let's put this aside because let's see what's going because it's 87%. There must be something going on here. This is a game that, aside from that, has had a lot of thought put into it. Uh, the story of this is pretty simple. Uh, so you play Mervyn, another sorcerer's apprentice. You play a lot of apprentices, don't you? We were lab assistants and stuff. We're always assistants. Always assistants, never the, never the scientist uh, or the magician. Uh, and after you've miscast a spell, uh, you've turned yourself into a frog, which is kind of lucky. Uh, because whilst he did this, evil warlocks have shown up at the castle and they kill everyone and take out everybody else. Uh, so they kill everyone, but they don't kill you because you're a frog. Uh, so that leaves Merlin as the only one left to avenge everyone and take out those evil warlocks that have taken over the castle. I think it's a castle. It never actually says, but I think it's a castle. I'm going to say it's a castle. They're in a castle. The game does have some clever ideas. Um, and in this respect, I think it owes probably more to Paradroid rather than Gauntlet. And that comes as no surprise, seeing as Steve Turner had made Quasitron before this and helped on the design of Paradroid itself. So this game plays out over a series of rooms and levels that reveal themselves as you move through them. And some of them only take up a small part of the screen and until you move through the door, the next room is hidden to you. So as you explore the castle, it's quite hard to describe this, only the rooms that you've explored show up on the screen as you move from one to the next. This is similar to Paradroid in the way that you have that line of sight so that enemies and stuff only show up when you enter the room. This takes it the next stage further and actually doesn't reveal the room until you've actually been in it. So you might have a one screen of this, might have three rooms on it. You're in one. When you move through the door, the next one appears. That's kind of what happens. So the gauntlet side of this thing comes from the enemies themselves. They spawn from spawners in the room, and these spawners can be shot to stop them spawning anything further. And you need to do this as the enemies just keep on coming if you don't, typical gauntlet style. There are also tiles on the floor as well, um, some of which um, allow you to look at the map. And this shows all the rooms you have so far explored. There's a lift which allows you to move from one level of the castle to the next. And there are other runes which allow you to modify the spells you can cast. Uh, you have offensive and defensive spells to take out enemies. And at times a small puzzle will happen where you have to rearrange the letters of the word Ranarama for a reason which I didn't quite understand. Um, there are also glyphs which allow you to change up your spells for more powerful ones if you've collected enough. And you will need to do this if you wish to progress to the later levels. The whole point of all this is to track down the warlocks on the level and kill them and then hoover up their spells to make yourself more powerful to head further down the levels. So this is all quite complex game logic and design going on here. Yep. Um, and you really have to have your wits about you as you work out your way forward. Oh, and, and also as well, don't think there are energy orbs floating about at times to get your energy back because you basically got an energy bar. If you lose all your energy once, I didn't quite understand how this was working. I didn't quite understand what was happening on here. You revert to mortal um you have to cast a spell to get back from not being mortal i'm not quite sure what you were in the first place if you don't then losing all your energy a second time means game over there is a lot to this game and if it sounds like my explanation is a tad confused then that is because i was a tad confused playing this i don't doubt there's a lot to get your teeth into here and the game is obviously quite clever however it's but ugly and this held me back from engaging with it in any meaningful way it's kind of like the controls it all felt a bit twitchy and fiddly 
and I just seemed to roam from room to room and stuff would happen and other screens would appear. And I, I kind of I wanted to like this as I kind of liked the idea and some of the design elements I do like. And I'm not normally, you know, normally I can, if the game's all right, I can graphically, I can see past it sometimes, but it really did put me off in this game. It just looks like a naff Spectrum game. And I did actually look at the Spectrum version as well. And the Spectrum version is a lot nicer looking. It's a lot cleaner looking. And there's some nicer graphics on the sort of spawning elements as well and stuff like that. So the Spectrum version is a lot nicer. I wish that there were other games. What was that other one? We saw Dynamite Dan, where they'd used that, taken that Spectrum template, but utilize some of the c64's visuals like in dan itself and i wish they'd done that here maybe you know if they'd have made this look like druid i think they'd have had a cracking game on their hands because i could have got past that as it is it's all very bitty and it looks like dandy and that's i don't want to be reminded of dandy i would have been more likely to engage with this and wanted to sort of progress and get on with it but i just don't feel the visuals draw me in enough to want to get to grips with all these different systems that are at play because there's quite a lot of them and I just, it's all too bitty and too all over the place. And it just didn't engage with me. And I just got pushed away from it a little bit. That's what I got. I think there's a good game here, but it's just, it needed polish. It needed C64ing, for want of a better word. I don't know. How did you find this? What did you think? Yeah, I, I have to agree completely. Um, on the surface, the game graphics do put you off. There's no doubt about that. They are bitty, they're dandy-like. There's single color sprites. It's not very appealing. The display is kind of messy. It's kind of a drawn, weird variant of colours, including purples and yellows and blues, and there's pathways in the rooms, and it's interspersed with solid brick-coloured enemies and sprites, and it's just a bit ungainly and a bit unfriendly to the eye. Your frog sprite, likewise, is just, like I say, it's just a black thing in the background. It merges into the background very easily. None of the graphics in this game are going to set your graphic world on fire. However, um, the game itself is fast and the pace is frantic i like the way the rooms are revealed yeah yeah as you enter into and around the screen i quite like that it's a neat and it's a different idea and it's a different take to the gauntlet idea so it's something a bit unusual the floor tiles that show you your map view so when you hover over and press the button i like that um, and the way you can pop about and there's a weird mix of attic attack logic and gauntlet in there but those things, those are very much Paradroid things. And there's a heavy influence of Paradroid in this game. Mm -hmm. So the idea that you can move around a, a, a map, shooting at things, and there are different things to shoot at with different layers. of, And it felt like a kind of a weird, gauntly version of Paradroid. I think, without a doubt, Paradroid is a heavy influence on the way this game operates, especially in terms of the way you go over a certain thing on the floor and there's a map and you can see different views and that kind of thing. Yeah. It lacks the graphic chops, it does. There's no way around that. There's a decent game in there, though, and at least it's kind of fun and engaging and there's a sense of progression and you can, you know, you can keep at it and progress. When you get the, meet the Warlocks in the game, that's quite an interesting experience because it sort of is different to the rest of the game. But given the weaknesses versus the strength, this is a good game. With the design far outweighs the graphics. I hadn't I spent a lot of time with this back in the day, I haven't. Ranorama was a kind of a game where I kind of like, oh, it's Ranorama. And, and I had it and I'd loaded it and I played it, but it was a bit like a switch on, switch off. I don't know. I think I was genuinely put off by the graphics and the sound, which are particularly weak here. But on replay, I think this is actually quite an interesting title. It's a good take on the gauntlet type genre. Is it better than Eagle's Nest? No. I think sometimes you just got to get the formula right. This is a bit of a half breed between Gauntlet and Druid. And there's parts that work because it's Druidy-like and there's parts that work because it's Gauntlet-like and it's not quite working all over. Eagle's Nest works because 
it sticks to its central core logic, which is a guy walking around, or a character, sorry, walking around, shooting stuff, finding things, and moving on. This has a little bit too much intrigue and not enough graphical dexterity to carry that forward. And I think it is a little bit, it is, I, I hate to say it, very dandy-like. And that isn't it is. a great thing. Single-color sprites at this point. Now, we're now into 1987, really. I'm just thinking, you know what? We're, we're only a few months away from Whizball. So yep. let, let's let's just, no, let's start thinking about what the C64 can do instead of what the C64 can convert and do. And this is a game that clearly is a conversion from other platforms. I think the tragedy is here that with a bit more thought and a bit more graphic dexterity from Houston, this could have been a really good game. It's clearly borrowing from their own pantheon in terms of the Houston games around uh, Paradroid and other stuff. It wouldn't, in sound effects especially, it wouldn't have taken a lot to really think about that. That isn't where it ended up. So I, I liked it. I thought it was okay. It's, I don't think it necessarily deserved 87%. I would have given it more in the 70s, but at the same time, it's not a crap game. I think it just, if you can get past the graphics, you'd, do, you'd be doing well. But you've got, yeah. to get, you've got to get past them. And that's a big thing uh, on a game that's reliant on its graphics to do stuff. So Yeah. I think if you're going to go play this, go play on the Spectrum. It's, it looks better. It looks yeah. cleaner. Play on the Spectrum. Exactly that. And Houston did that a lot, didn't they? So some of their games were better on the Spectrum. Some of their games were not. Yeah. Um, and they're quite famous for that. You know, I think Zynaps is supposed to be better on the Spectrum, isn't it? It's another one of theirs. Insert Nebulous here. Oh, don't. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. I think the, if they'd have taken this and just gone looked at it and looked at Druid into the Eagle's Nest, which you know, obviously came at the same time, but just looked at it and gone, let's actually not make these sprites. You know, it probably would have got rid of the slowdown, tightened up that bit, because obviously as well, the slowdown's never good when you get a lot, and there's a lot of those sprites just moving around quickly. Mm. You've got no chance, because you can only shoot in eight directions, and you can't move fast enough to get away. And I, I yeah. wasn't a big fan as well. I, I don't know if it was you, but I didn't like the fact that you had that difference, didn't you? So you press fire, not moving, it did that some defensive spell, and you had to be pointing in a direction to shoot. It's like, uh, okay, I get what you're going for here, but it's not always... I don't, I don't find it intuitive. No, no, I so. agree. You know, the surface level of this game, but if you get dive into the, getting the spells and getting the stuff, that's when it really starts to not work. Mm. No. Yeah. Because they don't work at these kind of games at that level. They don't, you know. That's why Gauntlet keeps it simple. You know, if you, get, if you want a, a potion or if you want something something magical, you have to run over it and collect it because that's the way that game works. That's the game logic. They don't yeah. prescribe certain you know, requirements around that. It is what it is. If you belied that in these games and add complication you're setting yourself up for a disaster yeah yeah go play on spectrum it's yes. probably better there we go that's it so that's it for games for this month for this week uh for the first half of may 1987 uh what have we looked at we looked at into the eagle's nest which we liked grange hill which was dog egg equalizer egg. which was you know the uh, verna which was incomprehensible gibberishly nonsense nemesis which was a cracking conversion uh we then looked at in the second half oh god so much music we then looked at <laughs> sailing uh sos the game with no name even though it clearly has a name armadillo shaolin's armadillo. road <laughs> shitlin's road aftermath yeah. after crap 
Um, and then the could have been better if they'd have done a bit more to the port. I think Ranarama. So there you go. That's that's your lot for for this episode. We've covered a lot. I'm just going to say before we go that if you wish to support the podcast in a financial sense, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash zap to the past and if you wish to support us there we'd be great it's the cost of a pint of beer and there's cool stuff there's lots of nice stuff going on on our discord and things like that which you get access to um and you know just a nice community building there so if you want to be part of that come and join us it would be lovely if you did that but obviously no and obviously you get the uh, podcast early as well that's one thing as well as you get them before the weekend so you can have a nice weekend listen and other uh, so un- untold you. delights yeah, loads of untold delights. I mean, Graham's often dancing in there. It's uh, it's a thing to see. <laughs> it really is. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's about it. I don't think I've got anything more to add. No. Graham, have you got anything you want to, uh, you no, wish to no, add? No, no, nothing at nope. all. All right. So, on that note, I think I'll say I have been Adrian Mills. I have been Graham Reddings. And you have been listening to Zap to the Past, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.